This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I am Rich Cranch alongside, as always, the king of banter, very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. The disingenuous. Oh, you picked up a new moniker. What was the? Oh, yeah, I was about to say, damn it, you picked up a new moniker, and I forgot what it was it, now. That's right. It is the disingenuous parentheses at times. That, and <laughs> yes, Joel Lanza. Disingenuous that is my new at times. Joel Lanza, and we are the co-opted uh, podcast sponsored by All Elite Wrestling and the uh, yes. the fine Con family. So thank you very much to the Con family for uh, uh, making this episode happen. Even though we've been doing shows for five or six years but now we are uh completely in the <laughs> on their money so i'm still going to work for some stupid reason and you know you are too but hey <laughs> I, I mean, first of all we've been doing shows for seven years okay? oh god don't remind me jesus really has it been seven? I, oh god i know you don't oh, want my to accept life. that <laughs> my life what have i told it's it's seven years <laughs> um which is why I just have a chuckle sometimes at all these new podcasts that crop up and they're all bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to go. And I'm like, they don't even know the grind. <laughs> this, yeah. Here's here's another show that's going to last eight episodes and you're never going to hear from it again. You know, and, 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 and you pull up their Twitter page. Hmm. Whatever happened to uh, New Japan Review podcast number 787? Let me check their Twitter feed. And they haven't updated since like May of 2017. And you're like, yeah, that's about right. Because uh, people don't get it. It's uh, it's a lot of work if you want these things to be, you know, good and and consistent. And uh, seven years, Ugh. seven years, which you do not want to accept. God, you're right. I'm looking at the map. I'm looking happened. at the calendar right now. Yeah. And man, it's like, yeah, we've gotten to a point now where like all these big wrestling moments. Like, well, I remember I was doing the Kings of the Tokyo Dome uh, series, and, and and as we were going through, I realized that we had got up to Rest, uh, Wrestle Kingdom seven, or I, I think seven is the the number, or maybe six it was. Uh, and I was just like, oh, God, like, I've watched all of these in real time now. Like, and we still have, you know, we had like seven or eight to go. And I was like, oh, no, yeah. I've seen all these in real time. Like, I've been like watching these and, and, and running this website. Like, oh, yeah. wow. It's just, yeah, it's, it's wow. <laughs> yeah. You've got, you know, you, we got, you've got almost a decade worth of those that you've reviewed already that you're reviewing again on on the paywall side now. So, but yeah, like, I'm not sold to, listen, what, it's funny because, it's like it could it, it could be worse than being called disingenuous parentheses at times and parentheses. You could just be called disingenuous, you know. But I'm apparently just disingenuous at times, which I'll take. Yeah, like sixty percent uh, of the time, you're a total uh, you know lying asshole. But you know, eh, the other forty, you're pretty solid though. So I mean, that, that's I, you know, I'm trying to figure out all these times I've lied. But uh, you know, I it, it doesn't. It is what it is, I guess. I don't. I don't know. One man's opinion, and he's entitled to that opinion but now it is forever added to the list of monikers which 
which you know that's what we do around here yeah great another one yeah it's <laughs> we're only at 15 right now so now we, we've luckily uh, bumped up to 16 and some some have you know lessened over the years or whatever so it's good that we get another one to kind of freshen it up a little bit so disingenuous at times uh joe lanza so good stuff we got there. one for you too you are you are now the tongue biter rich crage you were the oh i didn't even biter. see that one i'm the tongue biter okay but you in, bite. See, you bite your tongue when I'm being disingenuous. Ah, that, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yes. yeah. You're aware of these lies, Rich. <laughs> and I just let you perpetuate. You, yes, false. You know, you just come on here and pontificate this bullshit, and I'm just like biting that tongue. Yeah, okay, all right, that's fine. I'll take that. So I'm gonna drop a tongue biter. Tongue biter. <laughs> that's a weird. Which, which be like a horrible indie gimmick. That's a horrible indie gimmick right there. The tongue biter. So. Oh yeah, and then when we pick up new listeners, they're gonna be so confused. Yeah, I'm so sorry, all those new listeners. Thank you for listening, by the way. Hi, right, welcome. Yeah. Plenty to get to this week in the terms of the world of wrestling. We got a lot of WWE. This is gonna be a WWE heavy show. I don't think we've had one of these, and and it feels like a long time that we've had a show where it's almost. Not 100%, but probably 90% going to be WWE-related topics. NXT UK, uh, obviously the TakeOver show. We got some big news going on in WWE land as well. Um, Rush, or Roosh, I should say. Sorry, signs with ROH, so we'll get to that a little bit. A little bit about the Ring of Honor roster. Uh, you know, we've, we we like to, on, on the show, many you know many times over the last years, we've gone through the roster and been like, oh, Jesus, this is a terrible roster. So uh, we're going to check it up now and see, uh, see where they're at now after doing some of these signings. Uh, a little bit more about the MLW contracts, and you've been doing great work on the uh, the paywall side. We should say patreon.com uh, slash voice of wrestling and your Monday news update, I believe it was, or Monday or Tuesday, I forget the exact uh, date it was, uh, talking about these contracts. Uh, really, really good stuff here about you know the MLW contracts and obviously with Roosh and, and, and the news there and, 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 and you know PCO and the Lucha Brothers and a lot of good stuff there. So we're not going to get into a ton of detail about that. If you want to go to a ton of detail, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. You did that earlier this week. Uh, but I think we want to talk a little bit about it here because it does pertain to a lot of uh, what's going on with uh, the ROH and, and their signings. And then a quick little peek at uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, and the schedule that we have going on there. So uh, not, not the full, the lands of path of greatness is not, you know, don't, don't get your pen and pad ready for the lands of path of greatness. That is, that is coming soon, but it's just a little check in to see uh, where things are at a little bit with that schedule and what's all going on there. But um, plenty of stuff to get to. But before we do that, I do want to let you know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at ZipRecruiter. And Joe, do you know what is not smart? I got an answer for you. Don't answer. Job boards that send you a mile-high stack of resumes to sort through. But Joe, do you know what is smart? Don't answer again. I got a good answer. Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW to hire the right person today. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. It's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, the right education, and the right experience, then actively invites them to apply to your job listing. This guarantees that you will get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews, so you can trust it. ZipRecruiter is number one right now. Voice Wrestling flagship listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. If you love the show, so your support for us and ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Joe, where do we go first? We are going to jump into WWE land, a very WWE topic, uh, heavy topics. Where do you want to begin? There's plenty to get to. Well, uh, let's start with this. There was a match that lit the world on fire, uh, Mr. Krejci on SmackDown, the Tuesday night SmackDown. SmackDown Live. Uh, SmackDown that was Live. called? SmackDown Live. I don't, I don't even know what the show is called. SmackDown Live. Been doing this seven years. I don't know what their... SmackDown uh, Live. One of their A shows is called. 
Yeah, the SmackDown Live, Rich. Uh, did you see the uh, the Rey Mysterio versus? I guess he's Andrade. Andrade, yes, Andrade versus Rey name? Mysterio. Yes, Andrade. Yep, Andrade. It's not all. It's not Almas. No, his name is Andrade. It's not. They, they, yeah, no, it's Andrade. Andrade Cien Almas. Not Andrade. It's not La Sombra. <laughs> Andrade. It is. Uh, it, well, it, the name is Andrade. Andrade. Like, like the former Nick play-by-play man, uh, John Andrade. Is is that kind of <laughs> is that actually a true thing? Or color guy or whatever, whatever he was. Yeah, they used to have in a. Oh really? Yeah, no, Andrade. Uh, yep, Andrade on SmackDown Live. Okay, so Andrade. Uh, John Andrade. So, uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Andrade. Yeah. You know, people, people make it a big deal out of that. Have they not existed for the last 15 years? This is what WWE does. They shorten names and make them easier. So, I don't know what the big deal is here that the man is simply Andrade. It just takes a couple weeks to get used to. Like, I had to stop and think about it. Okay, is his name Almas or is his name Andrade? And then I turned it into a little bit that turned out to be a stupid bit. But after a few weeks... It'll roll right off your tongue. I mean, we've gone through this with Rusev. We've gone through this with... Uh, you can go right down the line. I know there's a million other examples that just aren't popping into my brain. Yeah, Biggie Langston just gets Biggie. There was a while there where, where WWE names felt like they were getting longer. And there, there was like that big period in the mid-2000s where everybody had to have like a full name. You know what I mean? Everybody had to be like a guy. Like, you know, it, 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 if you were, you know, Curtis Axel and and, and 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 these guys had to have these like long, like very normal names or whatever. And then we kind of changed, you know, five, ten years ago where it became then like, all right, we're just going to chop off, you know, Parts of the name that don't matter. Biggie Langston, it didn't matter that we called him Biggie. It, it's much better that he's called Biggie. Like a Rusev, I'm fine with Alexander Rusev becoming Rusev. I'm, I'm that you know, I have no issue with that whatsoever. So, you know, that's not a one that I, I I care all that much about. And this Andrade one, I think the problem though is like, I feel like Almas would have been easier, but I get why they didn't call him because that's just like his last name or whatever. Andrade, I don't. There's just like a, I don't know. It's gonna take it, it's gonna take a little while to get used to, but I, I'm not too up in arms about that it's, yeah it's, 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 i mean I, everyone will get used to it you know cesaro's another one i i don't know why you went with curtis axel as your example there i, mean, I don't know yeah I, I, I blanked on that. <laughs> i was gonna go with. i mean if you were going with that dude you could have said michael mcgillicuddy <laughs> that's what i wanted to say i forgot I, I i had this like moment where i was like he had a stupid name he had a stupid name what was it i forgot it was michael mcgillicuddy was the <laughs> horrendous name i don't know why I went with curtis axel which is actually a much easier name to say so i uh thank you for the save there but was, uh, he, yeah. was he related to beulah in canon <laughs> i don't know if they ever addressed that because that's clearly where they got the inspiration from. Yeah, I don't know if they ever addressed yeah the in canon uh, like he was you know his her younger well he would have been yeah he would have been like their her younger brother or something like that maybe uh, the, the love child of Tommy Dreamer and Beulah. I mean I guess not yeah. a love child they're married they could they could have a ch- normal child but um, yeah, I don't know just straight up child. Um, do you remember Eli Cottonwood? Remember Eli Cottonwood, yeah, FCW man, the good old days of FCW. Uh, ori- like original original member of uh, the White family, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. the White family. Mm-hmm. I think it was just Bray and uh, and the talentless Eli Cottonwood just standing behind him, looking menacing. Wasn't that the original incarnation? And then Eli <laughs> Cottonwood got fired, and then they, you know, did the new arrangement. Um, but I'm pretty sure the original deal was Bray doing robert de niro doing uh robert mitchum doing the guy from cape fear and (laughs) with eli cottonwood standing behind him like it's like sometimes snl sometimes saturday night live gets real like wacky like that too where someone's doing an impression of someone doing an impression of someone doing something right that's what bray wyatt was like he was doing an impression 
of Robert De Niro. Yeah, doing, or he no, he was also doing an impression of Waylon Mercy, doing an impression of Max Caddy oh, or whatever from Cape Fear. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, so let's get this straight. It was Bray Wyatt doing Dan Spivey doing um what was it? Uh, do, what was the name of that? Doing what was the name of that character? Uh, Max Caddy was was from Cape Fear. No, no, what was Dan Spivey's character? Uh, Waylon Mercy. Waylon Mercy. All right, so let's do it. It was Bray Wyatt doing Dan Spivey doing Waylon Mercy who was doing Robert De Niro, doing Robert Mitchum, doing whatever that character's name was. Yeah, Max Caddy. Yeah, yeah. Doing Max Caddy. So, and and with Eli Cottonwood being, doing useless things. (laughs) Eli Cottonwood just standing there and being tall. Was he tall or fat? I forget. He was both, right? Right? He was definitely tall, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. Eli Cottonwood was very tall, and that's really all he had going for him whatsoever. So yeah, and and because he was on one of the NXT, he was on the NXT season with Michael McGillicuddy, I believe, mm-hmm. for one right. of them, and um, he was uh, yeah, just terrible, just flat out terrible. All he he was one of those guys where they hire him just because they're tall, um, you know. So anyway, well, what the hell are we were we even talking uh, about? We're talking about Rey Mysterio and Andrade. No, that that who Andrade Andrade. There's the tongue roll. Um. So yeah, Rey Mysterio and Andrade. I'm gonna keep saying Andrade until it sinks into my brain. Uh, had this match on SmackDown, and and Rich, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I record the Raw and I record the SmackDown every week to uh, to my DVR. And when something you know that feels like it's getting buzzed, or there's a big segment, or there's a match that people buzz about, I've got it there for me. You know what I mean? Then I don't have to go searching on the internet or downloading it from some creepy cedar and feeder site or, uh, you know, on, on .com or whatever. I have it right there on my DVR. And if, and if, the, if the show's getting no buzz, I can just slap delete and move on with my life. Um, I can't sit there and sit through three hours of Raw and two hours of SmackDown. I just can't do it. It's, it's absolute torture. Um, so anyway, this match was getting a ton of buzz. So uh, I go on the old DVR there and, and, and I fire it up. And uh, what did you think, Rich, of uh, of Rey Mysterio versus Andrade as a uh, as a standalone match here on the SmackDown? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I, I think the hype was definitely. We're going to get to that here in a second. I think the hype definitely outweighed what I eventually saw on there because and it and it sucks for the next like whatever how long this segment's going to go. We're going to spend a lot of time like criticizing this match that I think you and I both thought was very good. And that's kind of my normal comment was like, that was a good match. Very good. Maybe not great, but like a very good TV match. But I mean, the hype would have you think that this is one of the greatest matches of, of you know, I, I saw stuff, the best match I've seen in WWE TV history. One of Rey Mysterio's top five matches. Uh, there's some people that said it would stand up to ma- any match in, in the past, like, like literally the entire past. And I'm like, you know, when it was done and it was one of those things that it was a victim of expectations. Maybe if I was watching live, I'd go, holy shit, that was really awesome. Like that was really cool. But, but going into it, knowing, well, this is one of the greatest TV matches of all time. And, and you know, or, or, or thinking, well, what I'm going to see here is just absolute magic. And, and again, like we're going to spend the next 10 minutes or whatever criticizing this match. It was very good, but it's not anything that I don't see, you know, pretty regularly on the Indies or it's not anything I, I, I can't see on 205 Live. And it's not anything I, I haven't seen over the last few years. I don't know that it was like this revolutionary, incredible match. I think it was, again, very, very good. Um, there are some spots that, that I'll talk about that I, that, that I didn't really love, but like, I don't know, man. You throw a Canadian destroyer, a power bomb in the apron, and a bunch of near falls, and people think it's like the greatest match they've ever seen. And it's like, have you been watching wrestling the last four years? Like, I don't, I don't know what was. I, I, I don't know what was the revolutionary thing about this match or what made it so incredible. Again, very good. I probably went about four and a quarter, 
four flat, like somewhere in that range right there. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a very good TV match. I mean, it beats run-of-the-mill Seth Rollins, you know, matches. But to me, you know, speaking of Seth Rollins, it feels very much like, remember last year when there was that Raw Gauntlet match? And that was like all the fucking rage for four days, and then nobody ever mentioned it again. It was like, that was an incredible, oh my God, there's never been a better match on Raw ever. And then four days later, nobody talked about it. I'm going through match of the year, not a single person has mentioned it. It hasn't even been the 10th match on anyone's list. It's probably not going to, it'll probably get one vote or whatever, and it'll be like ninth or whatever on the entire thing. But at that time, like the, that week of, oh my God, this is the most incredible match we've ever seen, and yada, yada, yada. I feel like this one's going to be kind of the same. Like it, it, it's a victim of like the moment and, and and the hype, and like that's fine. Like it was a very very good match, and it did a pretty good job, I think, of of establishing Andrade. And these two are having a pretty fun little feud, and I hope it kind of goes on, and maybe they get a match at WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble or whatever. But Jesus, I mean, you use the term all the time, pump the brakes. I mean, this one is like holy shit. Like what are we what are we going nuts about? Like honestly, and I, and I don't mean to be like an asshole or like a hipster or like a gatekeeper or whatever, but like. If this is like one of the best matches you've seen in 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 years, like I don't know that you're watching enough wrestling because like you can see this shit all the time. Like if there's nothing that was that revolutionary here about this match. I, I, I guess if your purview was only Raw and SmackDown, then yeah, it, it probably is one of the greatest matches you've seen in the last three or four years or whatever. But like, my God, like I I don't know what I, I what was I missing, Joe? Where, where where were your thoughts on? It? I know you put it on audio uh, on the Patreon side here, but for people that don't listen on on that, which you're you're dumb. Why don't you do that? Patreon.com slash voice wrestling. But uh what were your kind of overall thoughts? Am I way off base here by saying it was just kind of good but not great? Yeah, I went on a wild rant on this topic and said a lot of the things you said just louder and more aggressively. Surprise, surprise. On, uh, <laughs> behind the paywall. Um, but it was kind of more tied into everything I hate about Raw and SmackDown too, more so than just picking on this match. But um no, I thought this was a very good match. Mm-hmm. Um it's a notebook match for me. I, I don't I don't know. Um, and to me, that's four stars or better. That's when I bust out the brand new 2019 Spiral Notebook, my friend. Okay, I had to get a new book this year because the old Spiral Notebook has been retired. That three years worth of matches in it. So, oh, okay. Uh, what did you did you go with? Just like the normal, like I, I don't know the name, the three star, or whatever the hell the normal brands of, of spiral notebooks, or did you get like a like a because they have like quality notebooks. Like Michelle is is big into like ink pens and that sort of stuff. She's got some some real quality notebooks. I don't know. Did you just go with like the thirty nine cent one? You know, as you were checking out of a, a grocery store. Rich, I go old school, standard college ruled. There you go. That's ninety nine cent spiral notebook. I've been doing it for years. I don't like, I tried converting to the Excel spreadsheet. It's not the same. I like having my notebook handy and at the ready at a moment's notice. I like writing it down. You know, there's a, there's a, just a little feeling you get when you take out your pen, right? After you watch a great match and you're satisfied and you, you turn off your TV or your laptop, right? And you bust out the notebook. I like putting the ink on the paper. I like writing down the names and putting down my, my dopey star ratings, and I like looking at it, and then I nod a little bit. Do you, you have know? a? Do you have a? Do you have a pen? You're you're a pen guy, not a pencil guy, right? Pen, pen. So do you do like an, an exaggerated click? Like ah, click. This is going in the notebook. Like I that, do. That's I yeah. That's, that's that would really that really drives it in. No no Excel spreadsheet can replace the click. Can't. Here we go. Like that's you know I, I might I might have to start doing that too because I do the Excel sheets or whatnot and I get bored of it in like February and it's just like I forget and then I just kind of have this like giant log like I have a Word doc on, on you know or a Google doc that I put like matches that I really like but I, I, maybe I need to move on to the notebook. I think the the click of the pen will be a good way to kind of inspire me to say ah this was special right here click like that, that I like that yeah the Excel sheet is lifeless it really is 
So I went back to the notebook and yeah, you do the pen click and it just, I like writing the names down and looking at it, you know, and then flipping through and leafing through each page is a month, right? But you got to be smart, Rich. You got to know that like April or July, save the next page too, you know, because you got Mania Weekend and you got the G1. So some months you got to think ahead and make sure that next page is clear because you're probably going to use the second page. But I love the spiral notebook. So anyway, to me, this was a notebook match for sure. Um, oh, no doubt. No doubt. You know, it's, it's, you know, now these are just legitimate. We're not, these aren't, you know, this isn't, we're not, uh, these aren't straw man arguments. We've seen things, you know, it's out there. This was the greatest WWE TV match of all time. Not even close. Stop. Um, this is one of the greatest matches, period, that have happened in wrestling over the last, uh, no, not even close. Stop. I think, like like you're saying, I came into it with these wild expectations, and with the people involved, I found those expectations believable. I was like, wow, okay. Ray and Andrade knocked it out of the park here. Yeah. I can't wait. Ray, you know, Ray's been great this year. Ray's, I, I do want to say, for, for I didn't believe it. I thought the second he would go back to WWE that he'd be, unfortunately, Ray Mysterio of old, where like his knees would break down or whatnot. But they've been smart. Like he, he's, he's, he's barely doing house shows. And when he does do house shows, he's in there for like two. What a, what a novel idea, Joe. <laughs> Don't fucking grind your, your stars into fucking dust. And then they can actually sometimes, you know, don't waste their fucking time on these dumb house shows and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And having 20-minute house show main events where they throw in all the, the you know he's in tag matches or he's not even on house shows so that he could deliver on on tv but he still looks great i, I think ray this year has looked incredible and i think it's a testament to uh how they probably should be scheduling most of their stars instead of grinding them into absolute dust but you know it is what it is yeah i mean and i think y- y- you get the feeling he really wanted to go out there and have a killer match with andrade yes in a in a very important match for andrade's career where he's going over ray mysterio and it appears that they may finally be pushing him, but you can never trust this company because he could very easily come out next week and lose to somebody. And you know how it goes, maybe even to Mysterio. Um, but you feel like he wanted to go out there and have a great match with this guy and help him along. And yeah, Ray looked great in the match. Um, you know, I'd put it, look, this was a, what I would call a very good match and a very good TV match. I'd go around four stars. I think I gave it four stars. Um, but the thing about it is, look, you know, if you're going to tell me it's the best WWE TV match in a long time, main roster, I might grant you that because last year there was nothing on raw or SmackDown. That was, uh, in my opinion, anything, this may have been better than anything last year on raw or SmackDown, unless I'm forgetting something. Yeah. I mean, there's that, there's that raw gauntlet, like I mentioned, but I I said that was a victim of hype in the, in the moment too, but I haven't heard a fucking thing about that match in the last six months. You know, like that thing, what everybody went fucking ape shit about that match in in real time. And on that week of, and Oh my God, what did we just see? What are this incredible thing? And then like by, you know, October, you never heard a thing about it ever again. So raw gauntlet was very overrated. It had, it had one or two really good legs. Um, but to me, the gauntlet was all, I consider a gauntlet all one match. Um, and when you take the totality of it, I think it was a vastly overrated match. Now, the thing about WWE main roster TV, and this is what I kind of got into on the paywall side, is I can kind of see why people are going crazy for this match. Because you don't get much on Raw and SmackDown. I mean, we just went through a year where Seth Rollins going out there and putting up three and a quarter stars every week qualified as, you know, making him a wrestler of the year contender. Because that's the best that this company had to offer on the main roster on a week-in, week-out basis. And he didn't blow me away a single time on TV. He had a couple pay-per-view matches that were okay. Um, And I thought a lot of those were overrated too. 
But, um, there, you know, in terms of TV matches last year in this company, it was a very bad year. One of the worst years, in my opinion, ever for TV matches when you're talking about, um, you know, hitting high bars. You know, there's a lot of perfectly perfunctory solid matches uh, that I go and watch that people were talking up. And I go, okay, as a solid match, uh, but nothing on the level of this Mysterio Andrade match. The problem is when you dig a little deeper in WWE, this match really didn't stand out and wasn't all that special. There were at least a half a dozen matches on 205 Live last year, which I watch every week and review every week and watch closely. There were at least a half a dozen matches on 205 Live last year as good as this match, right in the same neighborhood. You want to tell me this one was a little better? Okay. You want to tell me Mustafa Ali, Buddy Murphy from last July or whatever it was a little better? I can buy that too. Uh, Mustafa Ali versus Hideo Itami at the end of the year. The matches from the tournament with, you know, all those matches with Buddy Murphy and Roderick Strong. And there were, a, you know, at least a half a dozen 205 live matches that were in the same neighborhood as this match. But here's the thing, Rich. Nobody's watching 205 live. And, you know, a couple million people are watching SmackDown. And it's Rey Mysterio and Andrade and people like us who aren't regular viewers, uh, you know, even went out of our way to watch this one, um, you know, based on the hype or whatnot. So I just think it's a, a, there's a couple factors here on why this match to me has been like you're saying, you know, and I I don't want to sit here and bash the match because I really liked it, but I've been put in a position to bash the match because I do think it was overhyped. And I think the reasons it was overhyped were one, um, you know, it's like people aren't watching stuff like 205 Live on a week in, week out basis or at all, or, you know, maybe even at the other sub brands as well. You know, NXT had a nice run of main events in the middle of last year, too. Um, uh, two, it's like Raw and SmackDown have been lacking great matches for so long that when you finally get one, it like feels better than it really is. I think there's some of that, too. And three, People really fucking love Rey Mysterio. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. He's an all-time great. And, and, and I love the guy too. But that's a factor as well. Rich, we're all human beings. We like matches more when there's people that we enjoy watching in them. So that's always a factor too. And, peop- and also, the f- a fourth thing is we've all been waiting for Andrade to get a fair shake. And this was kind of his... Uh, coming out moment on the main roster. Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, no, no doubt. It was definitely like a star making a quote star. We'll we'll see how eventually how the the follow up is. But yeah, the intent of it was was to be, this is a star making moment for for Andrade. The new name, a big win. We'll we'll, we'll talk about the finish here in a bit because I had some criticism with with that too. But no, there's no doubt. And I I think one of these things that, that, and and you bring up the Rey Mysterio point too, and I think that is is something that, you know, there was a time where Rey Mysterio was far and away my favorite wrestler. Like I I ran a fucking Rey Mysterio fan site in like 1999. I mean, I, I loved that guy. I do not think you can get to it anymore. It was on a GeoCities. Hit the wave back machine. And find- <laughs> I don't yeah. remember the. I don't remember the URL. And it was definitely on GeoCities, but maybe one day I could try to find it. But uh, uh, it was not good. I assure you that. Like eleven year old me was uh, probably not the best writer or web designer at that time. But you know, he was at the you know at a point one of my favorite wrestlers ever. But and and you and I have made this point many times on the show. But WWE Ray has just never. I, I just, for whatever reason, it just has never clicked for me with Rey Mysterio. Whereas other people say, oh my God, his WWE run is incredible. He's one of the best, you know, TV wrestlers of all time. Or, oh my God, you know, he he, he became the greatest of all time because of his WWE run. Uh, to me, I, I don't know. I just, it never hit me on that level that it did for other people. I'm glad it did for other people. But for me, give me 1995 Rey Mysterio. Give me Rey and Dean Malenko. Give me Rey and Psychosis. Give me Rey and Hoovy and, and Rey and Jericho and stuff like that. Like that WCW 
stuff just for whatever I, I that will always be some of my favorite shit ever that that ecw match with psychosis is one of my all-time favorite matches ever the jacob stuff is it's just there's there's some other stuff there that is just awesome that you fucking absolutely rocks where the WWE stuff i it just has never i'm just i don't like underdogs all that much you know what i mean and that's one of the things i think you've criticized him as well is he's always kind of the scrappy underdog for you know 15 years or whatever and it, that that just doesn't always kind of work for me this actually wasn't that and, and i think that's why i kind of liked it a little bit more than i like a lot of other ray ones but but we do come in with I, some of that bias which is fine you can readily admit that that you know like you said sometimes you like matches better when the when you like the guys in them and, and i think that that kind of plays a part in it too i just don't I don't get the same. Oh my God! Yes, Rey Mysterio is in a match, in, in you know, on SmackDown or whatever. That just it, it doesn't quite do that for me. And and Andrade is a guy who who I really really like as well, but but not to the extent that other people do. So I come at it with you know, here's a guy that I'm kind of apprehensive of anytime he's in WWE, and a guy that I don't really love on the same level other people do. So I'm I'm, I'm sure that I come in with a little bit of bias or whatnot. But but still, I think ultimately it was a pretty good match. But no, we we've both addressed that that WWE Ray doesn't always work for us here and there. But I think this was. I, I this I don't know that this was WWE Ray in a lot of ways. This was very different than than a lot of the stuff that he's done over the last you know ten fifteen years while in this company. No, I, my least favorite Ray Mysterio is underdog WWE Ray Mysterio. That's my least favorite Ray Mysterio. I'm not saying that's not he's not still great, but it's my least favorite version of him for all the reasons you laid out. I much prefer when I go back and say I want to watch some Ray Mysterio. I almost always go to the WCW stuff. Almost always. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like the underdog guy. I don't like the bullshit, you know, title run where he lost all his matches. I'm not into that. I'm not into those stories. I'm not into the underdog shit. It's just not my thing. And I don't like the lay. All those matches were laid out exactly the same. Um, you know, it, it, it bored me. This was not that. And that's probably why I like this match a lot better than a lot of his other WWE stuff. Um, but you know, I, I guess we should get into the issues. I, there were things about this match I did not like. First of all, the finish was horrendous and was very close to ruining the match for me. Oh my god, it did. It really did. It, it killed me. I hated it. You have Zelina Vega. Here's my problem. You have Zelina Vega hop up on the apron. Okay? But it really didn't affect the finish. Like, Mysterio's up top and he's ready to give his that dopey splash he does where he puts his arms on his sides, I guess, and just uh, whatever that is. I, I'm not in love with that move either. But, uh, you know, so, so she hops up on the apron to distract the ref, I guess, but from what? Like, maybe I missed it and I'm wrong. No, she, she, no, her intention to was to off. distract. Her intention was to distract Ray, and that's what she did. Ray was about ready to hit that the West Coast pop or whatever. No, the West Coast pop is when he did the flip. It I wasn't the West Coast pop. Almas was down already. No, no, I forget. It wasn't. It wasn't the West Coast pop. So, it was the one where he yeah. just does the splash. It, the The intention was for Ray to say, "Ah, what's she doing on the apron?" The, the WWE yeah. distraction bullshit, where it's like, "Yeah, yeah." Ah, What's this person doing? Like, instead of just finishing off the match and just saying, fuck it, I don't care that she's on the apron. It was right. the, what, ho, what's she doing on the apron? And then that was a little bit of a time where almost then popped up and then, you know, obviously crotched him and then, then hit him off the top. So that, yeah. that was the intention there is that it distracted Ray for a half a second, enough time for almost to get up and uh, Andrade, I'm, I apologize, Andrade, enough yeah. time for Andrade to get up and, uh, and, and take care of business on his end. So that was the intention there, not to distract the ref, but to distract right. Ray. For, but for the ref went over yeah. to her and all that. Yeah. So, but I hated that because for a couple different reasons. Number one, Almas popped up so quickly that it didn't feel like he needed that distraction. Exactly. Right. 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 He popped up immediately and just broke up the move and knocked the guy off the rope and then did his finish, the, the hanging DDT or whatever, and and finished them off. And it's almost like I I don't want interference ruining a great match like that. But at the same time, I almost rather would have had Vega 
break up, uh, distract the ref to break up a pin or, or shake the ropes to knock Ray off. If you're going to do that spot, just go all the way with it then. Because to me, this came off like he didn't like almost didn't even need the help because he popped up so quickly. You know, and if and if if Andrade is going to beat Mysterio, just fucking beat yeah, him. That's that. Okay, that's it. That's what I got. Him. Like, just fucking have the dude beat him and just make it definitive. What is Ray fucking Mysterio? Ray Mysterio <laughs> is is a hundred years old. Okay, this is the new guy. Just beat him. I know. Dude, we don't need any of this fucking nonsense, and we shouldn't even be having this conversation. So I did not like that. This is everything we feared they would do with Jay White and Okada, which thankfully they did not do. Remember, it's the same conversation. It's like, just beat them. Okay. So then the other thing I didn't like was, and I've been consistent with this, Rich, maybe this is just the Joe Lanza thing. I fucking hate the 619. I hate (laughs) the 619. I loathe that move. Why do you think I don't like WWE WWE Ray Mysterio? That that is is, is probably the biggest reason because I, yeah, I'm with you. You hate it too? (laughs) I cannot stand it, yeah. It is so contrived. When else ever does a wrestler end up in that position? Uh, Unless they're wrestling the big boss man. (laughs) Okay, when does a wrestler ever end up in that position? And it's always so contrived. Now, granted, in this match, it wasn't as contrived as usual. Andrade is really good, and he ended up in that draped over the middle rope position a little more naturally than other people. Sometimes it is so fucking contrived. No, he did. He actually did an incredible job with it. I mean, it, 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 I, I always like watching of how guys are going to be able to do because, like, some guys are just like, oh no, like it, like a lot of guys just do it, and it's just like, oh Jesus, they like, reposition themselves yeah. in such an obvious <laughs> manner, and it's such a weak move. Like it's a little kick in the head that gets them there, and it's like, why are you dazed from that after you've been, you know? power bombed and everything else. But so uh, granted, he got himself in the position for the move in, in ways that looked more natural than usual. The problem was they went back to that fucking six, one, nine spot three times. And the one counter was great where Andrade caught him and then put him on his shoulders and then gave him, you know, whatever the fuck, I don't know, names and moves, you know, that um, off of his shoulders, but they went back to that. Well, three times. And I hate that fucking move. I cannot stand the six, one, nine. And every time Ray sets someone up for the six, one, nine, my eyes roll way into the back of my head. I cannot stand that move. So there were little things about the match I didn't like. And the main thing I didn't like was the finish. There were some cool spots. You know, the Hurricane Rana off the apron down to the floor. I didn't think it was this life-altering spot that everybody else thought it was. But it was a nice little spot. Oh, real good. Yeah. But, but you see that, like Rich said, though, you see that spot in every indie match. Right. I've seen like, Phoenix do that, that spot 30 times last year alone. So, yeah. I mean, it was a nice little spot, but I saw people like posting the gif of that spot, like, oh my fucking God. Please. <laughs> I see that spot on any wrestling show I watch. It was a nice spot, though. The powerbomb on the floor, unexpected. You don't normally see that in a WWE match. But that was a good spot. I thought that the work overall in the match was excellent because these two guys are really fucking good. Like I said, Rich, very good match. Notebook match for sure. One of the greatest WWE television matches of all time? No. I Come on now. I mean, I'm not even sure it would have been the best WWE TV match of 2018. I, I really, I don't think it would, I'm not positive. I'd have to rewatch them. It oh, don't be do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't rewatch every single. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying. No, sure. I, I, know, I, I, know, I know. I know. I'm not positive it would have been the best 205 live match last year. It'd be up there and it might ultimately be, but 
it, but it's there's no way that this is far and away one of the greatest WWE matches ever on you know TV or otherwise. I just that I can't. And like you just said, and like I was screaming behind the paywall, pump the brakes. Okay, it, it is a nice little match. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have many other thoughts on that. I mean, really good stuff. I think the the, the, the takeaway is I hope that they kind of keep this thing going, uh, whether they have a match at WrestleMania, whether they have a match at Royal Rumble. Like, it's obvious that Ray is inspired uh, by, by trying to kind of pass the torch to, to Andrade and get him to the next level. And Andrade, obviously, uh, there's been rumors that he's been kind of, you know, <laughs> obviously and, and, and thankfully uh, and, and, and rightfully upset about some of the booking that he's been. But this was a good moment for him, too. So, yeah, let's hope that this kind of becomes the next step. Maybe this is the jump off point for Andrade. And, and I don't know, maybe these guys have, you know, people have been talking about a, a mass versus hair match or something like that. I don't, I don't know what you're going to do here, but I think these are these are good dancing partners for a while there. And, and, I, and I think a definitive win of Andrade over Ray. Um, is it, probably a smart idea in the future as well. I would have maybe just given the win here, but but if they want to stretch it out to WrestleMania or, or, or Royal Rumble or, yeah. or, or Elimination Chamber or whatever, I'm fine with that too. But I think that ultimately this could be huge for Andrade if done properly. The other thing was it had two commercial breaks and nothing happens during the commercial breaks. One commercial break we actually didn't see. The second commercial break they did the box in the corner. And you know there was nothing going on because they knew they were in a commercial break. I think if you put these guys on a pay-per-view, Without commercial breaks, mm-hmm. with more stakes, and it has a better finish. They have a better match in them. Oh, I think oh god, yeah, and, match that, in them. and that's the thing too is when you when you come out with like, oh my god, that's the greatest match I've ever seen. It's like, no, dude, like you know, at the end of this match, all I was thinking was, oh, these two dudes could do something better here for sure. Like if they have a match that doesn't have a distraction, and and and, and yeah, maybe has cleans up some of the other parts, maybe even gets a little bit more time uh, in front of a. The other thing too, and like <laughs> you know, it's I. The WWE Universe and this crowd show is, I mean, like eight people saying, this is awesome. This is awesome. You just hear it like echoing in, I know what is a half, you know, half empty, you know, arena or whatever, but you can hear like, it it put this in front of a good crowd, like a good pay-per-view crowd. And this is going to absolutely, and, and, and I'm, I'm somebody who, I, I will say that you know people can criticize me all they want. I think wrestling crowds make matches better many, many times. A good, a, a good match in front of a great crowd becomes a really great match. You know what I mean? Like it, it just it adds to the atmosphere a little bit more. It makes me more energized and stuff. This while great spots were happening, it was like ten people clapping here and there. It just the crowd was like I don't know if they were poorly mic'd or there's just nobody there or whatever was going on. But like I think that that getting this in front of a better crowd would 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 have done a lot as well. But yeah. Yeah, and the psychology of the match was good. It was, it was, it was Andrade going toe to toe with an all time great. Yes, yeah, right. Oh yeah, basically. And um, you know, would have preferred he just beat the guy. Though, to me, in my mind, in, in in my own version of 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 the fucking story or whatever, he did just beat him clean because I don't think the distraction he popped up too quick from the distraction for it to feel like it meant anything. So to me, he did beat him clean. But I know the story is that he did not. So, um, yeah, hopefully I have another match at, uh, at some point down the line on, on a proper pay-per-view, no, no TV commercial breaks and, um, you know, Ray just puts them over proper and cause it got plenty of time, but your deal, you know, you get a, a WWE TV match and you get to go through two commercial breaks. You got plenty of time. Oh but, no, no, for sure. I just mean time on like a pay-per-view, like a good, you know, 20 sure. minutes or whatever. With no interruptions. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
All right, so that's uh, Mysterio and Andrade, which obviously, Rich, uh, I know. I hope you're prepared for when you post the show because we absolutely hate the match. Oh, we are, we are, we are. I just want to. I do want to state though, they're not sponsoring this week's show, but uh, the fine folks at Grapple, 107 people have voted on this match so far. Uh, 4.21 is the average rating there. So again, like the Grapple folks, that's, that's exactly that's. It. I went four four and a quarter. You went four flat. 4.21 is fine. So so the the majority of people, or at least you and I, and 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 the folks on on Grapple, I, I'm saying the majority. You know, obviously the folks that using grapple and, and us you well, know 107 of those awesome. people have it at 4.2 which i think is fine that's exactly where i would have it it's just when you yeah. see the greatest tv match of all time or the a match that'll hold up in any era i'm like oh boy <laughs> like oh okay uh, i mean you know it's when we cite grapple and the cage match inmates i mean we're just looking for some sort of public uh crowdsourced uh consensus of any kind we're not right, saying we admit that we live in this bubble we, we admit that we're in a bubble yeah and, sure. and like i you know sometimes it's hard to get out of that bubble and 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 watch stuff with other like i love that i have like a few friends that are out of you know this bubble and and when i watch wrestling with them getting their ideas and 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 seeing yeah. what they really like and whatnot like one of my buddies is is so pumped that like Road Warrior Animal and Goldust are going to be a part of All Elite Wrestling. Like, that's like what I'm talking He was like, hey, what's going on with this All Elite Wrestling thing? And I'm like, oh, okay, you're interested in it. Like, oh, yeah, the Bucks and Cody and, and all this sort of stuff. He's like, yeah, I heard like uh, Animal and Goldust. I'm like, oh. Where do um, you even hear that? I don't know. I, I was like, where do you even hear that? Like, I don't even, I've heard, I maybe heard that Goldust, like, the only thing I've ever heard is like, you know, random tweets that, that become news stories of a gold dust being like, Oh, you know, anything could happen or whatever. And that like, Rich, you know, gets- I, I hope you pointed your finger at that friend and said, listen, pal, road warrior animals and NWA guy. <laughs> I didn't. I said, uh, I don't know. Maybe like, I was like, I don't think there'll be wrestlers though. I have no idea where the gold. War- I, I don't even know what sites he goes to. You know, I have a buddy at work who right. like, obsessively goes to uh what he goes to wrestle zone all the time or whatever and i'm like dude what are you doing like, i mean i got some better sites for you if you want but uh you know nothing against the, the fine folks at wrestle zone but i'm like oh man really like that's but um no i have no idea where he got this road warrior animal to all elite wrestling <laughs> thing and i, I, mean, I people, asked him people... i got no sold so if i if i get a response yeah. uh, uh i'll update you on that but people are gonna bring up gold dust until he shows up which eventually he will but um, the the Road Warrior animal thing, yeah, I don't know where the hell he got that one. I mean, oh know, here, okay. So Wrestling Inc. says uh, WWE Hall of Famer Road Warrior Animal wants to be a part of AEW. Well, yeah, oh, there you go. Okay, join the fucking club, buddy. Like, yeah, exactly. Everybody wants that six figure check. Yeah, exactly. Okay? Of course, yeah. he's like, oh hey, you know what? Uh, so we did this on the uh, the Water Rush podcast. It's apparently a Road Warrior Animal podcast yeah. called Water Rush. He yes. mentioned that he would like to be at All Elite, but uh, yeah, so I sure. guess that's where he got it from. Well, so. him and everybody else. So you yeah, join the fucking line. Buddy. yeah i wonder if to this day like he still has that lloyd's of london thing where he has to work a tag match do you remember that is this fresh oh, information right. to you yeah 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 no, so, no 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 i do remember that yeah yeah he was one of the many guys that that, that guy that lloyd's of london no thing. but his was utterly ridiculous like his lloyd's of london policy for, for somehow some way he worked his where they were like you can wrestle but only in tag team matches because somehow that's safer. Like it, it was, it, I don't know how he pulled that off, but it was, uh, it was pretty brilliant on his end uh, to get it to where he can continue wrestling and whatnot. But, but, but the, the stipulation was tags. Cause if you think about it, like even his brief WWE returns where like he teamed with Heidenreich, always tags, rich. Yeah. Right. The right. Man, right. 
Yeah. So, you know, he, he had this, you know, incredible policy with Lloyds of London, which protected him where as long as it was in a tag match and he got hurt, uh, you know, he was still going to get paid off, which is crazy. Man, and I, I love... wonder if that's still active today. Like, I, yeah, we'll have to ring. see. Yeah. We'll have to see when, when, when eventually he, uh, when he eventually makes his huge debut at uh, double or nothing. Uh, well, yeah. If he, if he has to do it, like, I, I love the Lloyds of London thing. That's like one of my favorite things ever is that all the wrestlers just con the fuck out of the Lloyds of London. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, but it was sure, great for him because idiots, yeah. he can he can go to promoters and be like, "Look, I can only work tags," you know, and then they wouldn't even have to be forced to work, uh, you know, singles matches. Right? Yeah, yeah he was able to get rehired by because well, then I think that happened. If I remember correctly, that was before he even went to WCW. Am I right? And then he was able to do a bunch of stuff in WCW, and then when Hawk went crazy, he had a tag with like Booker T and shit in WCW, and then he would go to you know WWE eventually and have the, his next run there, and then he would do with Heidenreich or whatever. It's it's kind of masterful because he gets like. You know, he's able to collect the insurance policy while also being a full-time active wrestler, which is uh, yeah. pretty, pretty yeah, incredible. Yeah, as long as they're tag matches. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a cage match to see if uh, Animal ever yeah. snuck his way onto a singles match. But uh, I'd imagine he was a smart man and didn't want to uh, ruin the, the insurance policy. He's... Oh, right. Exactly. Why? And he was still working and getting paid anyway. So just a stroke of genius on his part. Oh, no. Remember when he came back to WWE and he faced Heath Slater on... Uh, Friday Night uh, Smackdown. You're right. So it must, it must be no more. It oh, it did because then he was doing a bunch of Smackdown stuff. Remember in 2006 yeah. he came back and was just doing uh, uh, single stuff. So um, yeah. Okay, so he went from 1998 until well, that that was a no contest actually the 1998 one. So essentially 1996 to 2006 without us. So maybe it was a 10 year policy that he got because by by 2006 he was basically back to doing. Uh, uh, singles matches all the time on, on, on yeah. WWE house shows and stuff. So. so, like, if he wrestled a singles match during that, he would have had to give the money back and all that. So, he, yeah, just brilliant. Just that's a worker for you right there. So, uh, nice job out of him. But I guess now he would, uh, listen, if he pops up an all elite for your buddy, um, you know, <laughs> I guess he's allowed to work singles matches now. <laughs> right. I don't know why you'd want to see a Road Warrior Animal singles match, but I, I have, yeah, no, okay, idea, but or a tag he's, match for that matter. Yeah, he's, he's pumped about it, so there you go. So, yeah, you, you got to get out of your bubble sometimes to realize, like, you know, that's the thing yeah. that ticked him about. I, right, hey, this is a new upstart wrestling company, Road Warrior Animal's gonna be there. I'm like, ah, yeah, all right, <laughs> cool, yeah. All right, let's get to this. Uh, you want to talk about TakeOver Blackpool, NXT UK, TakeOver Blackpool in front of the NXT Universe in Blackpool. The NXT UK Universe. The NXT UK Universe. I wanted to strangle Vic Joseph during this show. Like, I hated it. And he's usually fine. You know what I mean? Vic Joseph is usually, I think you call him the robot or whatever. He's he just robot. He basically yeah. just like a sparks and yeah. just spouts out like, you know, WWE yeah. speak every so often and just kind of like, you know, he just kind of like, but it's fine. Like it's a, he's a good robot. They programmed him pretty well, and he's fine and, and and usually like not awful or whatever. Oh my god, I wanted to strangle him during this. Like the because he had to do the WWE speak things, so it yes. couldn't be the NXT universe. It had to be the NXT UK universe. And yes. you know Zach Gibson, you had to know he was Liverpool's number one, and 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 Jordan Devlin had to be the Irish ace. And it was just like, oh yes. my. God, I, hammering I, the I, mean, I mean, that's that Gibson. The, 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 we'll talk about it in, in a bit. The, the opener there went like 23 minutes. He, I was, I was counting a show. He said 14 times Liverpool's number one. 14 times he said Zach Gibson, Liverpool's number one. Is that legitimate? That is legitimate. Yes, I was counting and I re- rewinded because I was making tweets about it. I, I was saying like, you can do a drinking game if you want to get you know fucked up. You know, at the beginning of this NXT UK takeover, <laughs> it would not take long, man. You are at the opener and you are good to go the rest of the night. Just 
only drink when he says NXT UK Universe and and Liverpool's number one, and you are good to go for the rest of the night, buddy. So yeah, it was fourteen um, references of Liverpool's number one. <laughs> yes, unbelievable. Yeah, he's Joseph's a robot. He's just a robotic man who you wind him up, you turn him on, you you punch the punch phrases into his uh, program, and he spits them back out. Um, he knows nothing. He's 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 generic. He's you know he's a he's a catchphrase machine. Uh, NXT UK universe is that a whole universe? Listen, <laughs> if you have the WWE universe, right? Wouldn't the NXT UK be more like a galaxy or a solar system within the universe? Yeah, there's you know, a lot. Of, we're, we're dealing with a lot of universes here. I think yeah. at some point it's going to become untenable when we have the NXT NXT Japan universe, the the, the, yeah. the NXT UK universe, the NXT Chile universe, the NXT Brazil universe. We got you know we there's a lot of universes in this uh, solar system here. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it should be a solar system or a galaxy or a, yeah, whatever the fuck. I'm not a fucking what do you call those guys? I'm not an astronomer. Or a fucking what are they? Astronomer, you got it right. Yeah, yeah. Geologist. What did the geologist do? No, definitely not. Definitely, yeah. It's like rocks. They do rocks, right? And land. Yes. No, you're you're definitely saying astronomer is what you want to go with. So, but then there's astrologer, and that's like you're a Pisces, so you're gonna get an interesting handshake today, and Mm -hmm. you know whatever the fuck. That's an astrologer, correct? And then astronomer is what is the guy who would break down universes and galaxies, correct? Stars and shit. Okay. So, you know, I'm not an astronomer, okay, which is, but, but I wouldn't think that you could have all these universes. The one thing, now, Vic Joseph didn't do it on this show, but where I lost a ton of respect for him for not doing homework, and you know where I'm going with this, is it wasn't on this show where he did this, but on one of the NXT UKs when Liverpool's number one, uh, Zach Gibson came out, he, he actually said the following no, words. I know exactly what it's going to be. Go ahead. He said, he said to Nigel McGuinness, here's Zach Gibson, a man who likes to speak with his fists and not with his words. As, he's on, as he walks out holding a microphone, about to cut like the greatest heel promo of all time, where the crowd's going to just go fucking nuts at him. Well, if there's one wrestler on earth where that would where you would not say that about, <laughs> right. it would be a guy whose entire shtick is that he cuts long rambling heel promos before anything that he does. He's all about words. What are you saying, Vic Joseph? So, uh, and, and I, I love Nigel. Nigel. Nigel got to save. He's like, well, uh, yes. I don't know. He's a man who definitely could speak with words too. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, really quickly. Like, no, Nigel buddy, like, it out. Yeah, like, uh, don't don't say that. <laughs> like, just awful. So um, he clearly had no idea what Zach Gibson was all about when he when he cut that commentary. Probably never saw the guy in his life. So uh, so anyway, yeah. So we have the NXT UK Takeover Blackpool, which is very wordy, uh, in front of the Liverpool NXT UK Universe, and we opened up with Liverpool's number one, Zach Gibson and his tag team partner James Drake. They are not the Grizzled Young Vets. I have never heard them referred to on. WWE programming as the Grizzled Young Vets. If I'm wrong, someone can correct me. Uh, and they took on Mustache Mountain, who they are referred to as Mustache Mountain uh, quite often on the programming. Trent Seven and Tyler Bate in the uh, finals of this uh, mini tournament to determine the first tag team champions. And Rich, the very first match we're going to talk about on this show 
after the Ray Andrade segment, I thought was a better match. Andrade match. So I don't know. Like right there this week, <laughs> there was a match on WWE TV that was better than that uh. match. Yeah, no, this was fucking awesome. Um Mustache Mountain to me is probably the best tag team in the world. I right now. I think other contenders would be uh the Lucha Brothers. But they wrestle such a different style than Mustache Mountain that it's so hard to compare. Like Lucha Brothers are going to go out there with an LAX. They're a contender too. So that's yeah. a perfect example because they go out there on Homecoming. Don't know if you saw the Homecoming yet, but the, but you saw that match. Yeah, really I saw that match. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, that was one match so, I did see. So they go out there on Homecoming and have this awesome fucking notebook match, but it's a spot fest. There's no fucking story to speak. Oh, of. They're God, just out no, there no, doing no, things, just doing to shit, each other. just doing cool shit for twenty minutes. Yeah. Which is all I want out of that, honestly. I don't I don't need you grabbing holds and fucking, you know, telling me his fucking stuff. No, go out there and do your fucking spots. You're Phoenix and you're fucking Santana and you're, you know, just go do your thing. And they have this great match. And then this is a great match, but in a totally different way. Like Mustache Mountain basically works the old Southern tag formula where Trent Seven, who to me right now is the best face in peril in wrestling. Oh, I he's mean, so good. Oh, no, he's incredible. And he's a guy that I don't know that I fully appreciated until like this last year. Yeah, uh, he's I, I just never quite got it with him. But like this team, I think being in Mustache Mountain has, you know, with Tyler Bate, who I think is a good sort of like secondary guy with him and, and is able to kind of paint in between the lines there where, where, where Trent is like you're, you're but but he does the basics so much. Well, you, you know, what I mean, like Trent does. I mean, it's just a perfect tag dynamic because you got the one yeah. guy who's just great at being the babyface in peril, and you have a guy who's perfect for hot tags and Tyler Bate. Because Tyler Bate will do all your big spots, your big moves, all that sort of stuff. But there's nobody better at at you wanting to to have him tag out right now in wrestling than Trent Seven. You just cannot wait, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you can't wait for him to tag out because you know, like he's done a great job of getting you built up for that. And then once he tags, Tyler Bate comes in, and you're like, oh, here we go, let's go. And they, they've they've nailed it. They nailed this such such a simplistic formula, but they've just fucking nailed it with these two. Yeah, and Bate has a tremendous. Um, God, I hate this word. I'm going to cringe when I say it. Um, Bate has such a like. This is like like I'm sitting in a fucking basement creating cause but he has a great move set for the hot tag he really does um a lot of the stuff that he does uh fits in perfect for that and bait is you know 21 years old and a fucking legitimate prodigy and they know that he's the one that's the future star of the team so he gets the glory he gets the hot tags but um trent seven is just such a tremendous face in peril probably the best in the business right now because johnny gargano is not working tag team matches Gargano's another guy who yeah he's, well and gargano's sure staring at his hands and wondering why he's so evil or whatever so it's you know it's, yeah but i mean you know gargano's face in peril work with diy and even so, towards the end of evolve when he was in tag teams was yeah right there too and obviously the first person you think of historically is ricky morton and then there's been others like the rockers used to alternate the role if you recall, and they were both awesome at it. Yeah, right, 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 right. I thought Shawn Michaels was a little better, um, but but you know, and and but Janetti was a very good face of peril too. But they would alternate. Um, but Trent Seven is so awesome in that role, and that's why it's hard to compare Mustache Mountain to Pentagon and Phoenix because Pentagon and Phoenix rarely work that style of match, and Mustache Mountain rarely works the Lucha Brothers style of match. So it's hard to compare. It comes down to what you prefer. 
Um, but you know, at minimum, they're in the conversation for the best tag team in the world right now. I think. Oh, for they, sure. They, I mean, one of my favorite tag matches, not not to interrupt you, but one of my favorite tag matches last year was the one you know the NXT TV match that they had, where like all of it was Trent Seven being in a lock like the entire time. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that was like they didn't do anything. Like it was it was ten minutes where nothing happened, but Trent Seven just making you live and die by everything that he's doing, and like, oh my god, like yeah, he's so good at it. it it's just and, yeah, and it's, there's other wrestlers where if you put him in the same match structure in the same match, it just doesn't work and it's boring as shit. Right. Right. That's why some of these guys that I've named are have reputations for being so great at this role, and he's right there. He's awesome. It's just the thing that some guys have: facial expressions, the way they move, um, the 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 way you know they they tease the tags and the timing of everything. It's just some guys are great at it, and some guys struggle. And he's top of the list, best in the world right now, and one of the best I've ever seen. To be to be quite honest, and and I think that Trent Seven is another, like you said, similar. I have similar thoughts. He's a guy I've really turned the corner on over the last couple of years. I used to watch him and think, eh, you know, I'm not, this guy's fine, you know, uh, maybe one step above a jag. But his tag work last year and in the early portion of this year, plus a lot of the single stuff I saw him have last year too, that they weren't matches that like will blow you away or end up in your spiral notebook. But I thought he had a neat little match against Doug Williams on the Wembley show. I mean, you know, it was a little three-star match, but just the little things that they did. And, and uh, you know, so Seven is a guy who has vaulted up my list. When we did the FSM 50, I made sure I gave him a, a pretty – I may have been if the his highest – I may have been the only person to rank him. Um, I'm not even sure uh, if anyone else had him on their list, but he was on mine because this guy is awesome. And I think, you know, Bait and Dunn get way more attention than him. And listen – they deserve it. Yeah, rightfully so. I think they're 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 future superstars. You know what I yeah. mean? Like those guys. You you're looking at the future by there. Like Trent Seven. You know, I don't know what his future is going to be. This is it. Like this might be it, which is fine. Like he's going to be a, a really really good tag wrestler for the rest of his career. But those other guys are are potential superstars. So yeah, it, right. it, it, it makes sense that they would get a little bit more. But he is a solid backbone to have on a roster. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and I don't think. Overall, he's that far behind the other two. Like, I, I, yeah, overall, I'd prefer the other two as, as as workers and all that. I really don't think this guy's that far behind, you know. And he's got high impact offense too. I mean, you know, his uh, whatever he calls his version of the Rainmaker, the Seven Star Lariat or whatever it is, and he's got, you know, you know, he can improve his look, obviously. Um, you know, he's the most out of shape vegan I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, a lot of them are though. I had a buddy who became a, a vegan and immediately got like completely out of shape. The, the problem is like you, you supplement some of your food with like potato chips and, and, and candy yeah. and whatnot. Cause it's like hard to get enough calories in a normal day. Like nowadays it's a little bit easier, but I'm sure for him, like traveling on the road and doing that sort of stuff, it, it, it's tricky. So a lot of guys, like I've had a few buddies that, that, that went through that and, and, what they'll end up doing is just eating a lot of chips. Like they'll, they'll at, you know, eat their, whatever their meal or whatever. And it's like not enough to fill them up at, at all. So then they, especially yeah. when they've been used to having like big, you know, calorie rich and protein rich meals or whatnot. So unless you're just downing protein drinks, like every, you know, between every meals and, and protein bars or whatever, you supplement it with like candy and, and, and chips just so you feel full. So yeah, that's probably, uh, probably what plays a part in it for him. I mean, I'm not even like trying to body shame the guy. Just, it's <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna say, just I was gonna say I'm probably about the same shape as him, but you know that's that's all right. So it's an aesthetic business, and you know I don't yeah, know. I'm not out there stand. with my shirt off all day. You know, <laughs> I get to and, hide uh, thing under uh, a <laughs> shirt. He can stand to drop a few lbs. Is all I'm saying. You know, he moves around fine. It's not like he's hampering him. But no, I think the guy's like really fucking good, and I just wanted to talk about him for a minute and give him his due. But this match, ruled. you know. 
I, I, not to interrupt, but as we're talking about that, I think it almost kind of helps him in, in terms of like, because you have Bait, who's just like this Greek god, you know what I mean? He's just like perfectly yeah. chiseled and, and super athletic. And I think it helps that like, you know, Seven is usually the guy in peril, usually the guy that loses the match. In this case, we'll talk about it with the finish here. I think it kind of works that he looks like just a dude, you know what I mean? Like he's, and that probably is what garners some of the sympathy too, is that he's just like a relatable dude that's just like has, you know, a friend <laughs> that's really good at wrestling. And, and you know, he's just kind of like, hey, you know, they, they have a little thing that they go on and like, yeah, he's fine or whatever but yeah ultimately he's the one that's kind of always the you know always the guy that's kind of the weak link quote-unquote of the team versus you know between him and bait i think it actually works that you know i'm not saying that he shouldn't you know drop a few lps there but uh yeah i I think it works that he's got like kind of an everyman look to him so there was good progression to like the close near falls as as they slowly built up. This wasn't just a wild closing stretch. They slowly built up to all that. Like the the burning hammer spot on Gibson was the first big near fall, and then there was the uh, the helter skelter spot with the four fifty where Trent Seven kicked out, and then uh, the two Shankly the, the the two Shankly Gates attempts, and then uh, and then uh, the rebound lariat. Uh, th- there was a cool near fall on, on the beat. You know that rebound lariat he does where he kind of like ducks his head and bounces off the ropes and then comes back with the rebound lariat and then uh and then they hit the finish but um but yeah just an awesome match i went four and a half on it and uh mustache mountain um they they deliver every single time and i think that zach gibson is a guy who look i i thought that the right team won i think mustache mountain it makes more sense for them to be chasing these titles instead of holding them and i think it's smart to belt up zach gibson james drake i mean he's fine but you know it's like he could be anyone. It, this is the Zach Gibson show, this team, um, at least in NXT UK. Uh, that's how I see it. And I thought the right team won. And I thought it was an excellent match with excellent escalation, tremendous work, match of the night, uh, four and a half, one of the best matches so far in the first 17 days of the year. Yeah, I went four and a quarter. So I was a little bit under the the, the four and a half, but uh, you know, right up there too. And the, my, sp- I love the finish so much too because it kind of came out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, yeah. you see, you know, Drake does. Well, I, I think like a suicide dive or whatever, but Bait is on Gibson's shoulder, so it's like a doomsday device to the outside. It just looks so because you didn't even realize. Like, like you see, you know, Bait get on Gibson's shoulders. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. What's gonna happen next? And then like out of nowhere, Drake comes with that suicide dive and just lays Bait out. And you're like, holy. Fuck. You know what it was, Rich? It was a it was a drop kick, and he timed it perfectly. Like Bate came out for that tope, like you're saying, and I think he drop kicked him in midair, and 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 it, and it ended up taking Bate out, and then it allowed um you know Gibson to use the Shankly Gates with no one there to break it up. So yeah. you're right, the finish was awesome. Yeah, I, and, I thought um, that like little stretch there, and it made so much sense yeah. too. It's like, how do we get bait out of this? And 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 it yes. was like, because a lot of times, like you know, people get lazy about that. Like like there was the one thing with the, the homecoming uh, with, with the LAX Lucha Brothers, Pentagon yeah. just like standing outside the ring when they're doing their double team on Phoenix, and yeah. I'm like, dude, just run in there, and break up the pin, like you're right there, like just you know, because they didn't do enough to kind of take him out of it or whatever. Whereas this, there was no doubt that like, all right, and and that's what I meant with kind of the everyman and Trent Seven being the guy who takes a lot of the falls is like mm-hmm. they need to do. Super Superman shit to get bait out of there, but then seven, it's just like, all right, cool, we have him in the ring, we're two on one, let's just you know hit our move and, and get out of here. So I think that 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 works pretty well there. Not to say that like seven's a geek in any way, but like once you neutralize bait, it's a lot easier to take out seven, and I think that's a cool little dynamic to the team as well. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up the finishing sequence because it was a very creative way to take out the other member of the team and and a very well timed spot, you know. And and I don't want people to think that like I'm totally burying Drake. I just think that. You know, Gibson has been a standout on this brand really ever since the second tournament. 
and the title shot that he got against Dunn. And I think on a on the weekly TV show, which I review every week, he's one of the about half a dozen people who bring a little fucking bring a little juice to a very dry TV show. You know, Gibson is one of them. So I, I'm excited to see them. You know, belt it up and see what kind of promos he's going to cut now that he's got a belt around his waist. Which brings us to Rich. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to get upset. I'm going to get upset. I think we're done praising a lot of the, uh, well, at least for this next segment here. But yeah. We're supposed to get Jordan Devlin versus Travis Banks. We were tipped off uh, very early in the day that there may be a surprise coming. And when I heard what the surprise uh, was going to be, my first instant reaction was, oh, shit, this sucks because that means Jordan Devlin has to lose. Or doesn't have to lose, but is going to lose. Yeah. And then I played out that way. I'm watching this show. I see Devlin attack Travis Banks in the hotel lobby. And I'm like, oh, fuck, it's happening. <laughs> and then uh, so uh, so Devlin gets introduced. And they, they did a good build to this feud on the TV and all that. And I thought this could be the match that could steal the show, Devlin versus Banks, potentially. Banks is another guy I've turned the corner on. Joe Lanza doesn't sink those heels in, Rich. You can change my mind on guys. And, uh, you know, so we get the big surprise, which, of course, I love the fact this is a running theme behind the paywall. But uh, I love Johnny Saint. They don't let him talk because they don't trust him. <laughs> I know. It's so, and, so they don't even let him say a word anymore. All they no, let him do is hold guys' hands. All he's able to do is grab people's wrists and hold them up. That's all that they trust Johnny Saint to do anymore. And he whispers into Sid Scala's ear, and then Sid Scala does all the talking. <laughs> so, uh, so he whispers into Scala's ear. How lucky is Sid Scala? Like he went from enhancement talent on the TV show to oh fuck Johnny Saint fucking sucks. We need someone to do the talking. Maybe he just happened to be the jobber that was in the room when they made that decision. They were like, "Hey kid, can you talk?" Yeah, I can talk because he's he's a good talker. He's the face of NXT UK. You know what I mean? Like he is like the power structure, and it's just like a dude who can who can actually say a sentence without falling over himself. It could have easily been Jack stars in the room when they made that decision i feel like he was so lucky to luck into that so it's like sid scala now who was just a tv jobber is now like you said now he's gone from tv jobber to the face of the fucking brand <laughs> and the authority figure of the brand and good for like i think he does a nice job you know so it was a it, it's a positive move johnny saint though they have to find a way to just like find a way to just get him out of there yeah and just I never mention it ever again just be like yeah yeah and just like he just goes away one day and he just never brought up ever again which he is just fine, ne- yeah just forget that he existed <laughs> you know right. like it's fine we all just, know just, it's fine it, it's just, yeah, right you know so um so anyway so sid he whispers into sid scala's ear <laughs> and sid says that uh we had we had a feeling you were going to do this jordan devlin so uh we had a backup plan for this and out comes finn balor uh, already in his gear as we have uh, Finn Balor versus the guy who's considered a mini Finn Balor, but it's probably better than Finn Balor at this point, uh, Jordan Devlin. He definitely had a better 2018 than his trainer and mentor and, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, you know, the guy that he's often compared to did. Uh, it's kind of like a scale, right? It's like there's Finn Balor, there's Jordan Devlin, and then there's Tucker. It's kind of like the old days when you had you had Ric Flair, you had Buddy Landell, and then you had like uh, you know uh, Paul Lee. You know, it's like you go down the scale of Nature Boys, you go down the scale of these Finn Balor mini me's. But the problem is Jordan Devlin has now surpassed Finn Balor in my opinion. I think he's the better wrestler right now, uh, at least in terms of output, at least in terms of 2018. And so they have a match here. the The backstory is obvious, and uh, I don't know. 
they had a three and a quarter star raw match. Yeah, it was I a raw match. Was. Yeah, and and I I don't know if you mentioned it, but uh, Banks did come out did come out, and Devlin just beat the fuck out of him, and then they sent him away, and and, and okay. that's when that's when when Scala and, and, and Saint came in and said, okay, no, no, that's not enough for you, Devlin. Like we have yeah, one more right. thing. So so up until that point, like Devlin's a fucking star. You know what I mean? Like right. he goes out there, he beats up Travis Banks or whatever before the show or whatever, whatever you want to say. He's he's the hated heel or whatever. Then he comes right. out and he just beats the fuck out of Banks when Banks tries to gut through it. So I think that was a really cool segment too because Banks didn't lose anything because he tried his darndest to go out yes. there and do it but he just couldn't do it it was just like what do you i i, I you you sort of you feel for him because he's like a guy that's like no i'm not gonna lose this spot i'm not gonna lose this spot but he can't do it his knees fucked and devil looks like even more of an asshole because then he goes out there and beats the fuck out of him again so like i was like they are making a star here and then balor comes out and i go okay well there's 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 a way to continue this story there's a way to keep keep this going here and it's devlin just shocks the world and beats finn balor but then balor just beat him and Devlin kind of looked like a geek. So, and, and the thing that frustrates me is Devlin has been to me like potentially the breakout star of the first set of tapings, and I've compared him to Pentagon Junior. from season one of Lucha Underground, where they had it all in the can and they couldn't have predicted what was going to happen. And Pentagon Junior. ended up being the breakout star of season one of Lucha Underground, even though he wasn't getting any kind of main event push, and they had chosen Sexy Star instead. And it's like I thought with all of this footage in the can. To me, Devlin has been coming off as like one of the biggest rising stars on the brand, if not the rising star yeah. of the brand. And then, you know, to have him lose to Finn Balor, it's like you're the one who mentioned this first, so I'll give you credit. It's like you're you're telling people he's not one of the big boys. You know, he 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 he's getting beat by a real star. And to me, it's counterproductive. And I understand why you're not gonna beat Finn Balor in this spot. I get it. He's got a match coming up against Brock Lesnar and all that. So you can't beat Finn Balor either, but Rich, that's the thing. Don't do the fucking match then, you know, but I guess they don't value Jordan Devlin the same way that I would value Jordan Devlin is really what it comes down to. Now, it's not to say he can't come back from this. You know, I didn't read the the spoilers on the tapings. Maybe he has a kick-ass tapings and gets a push for all I know, but this is just dumb. And for what, you know, you pop the crowd, I get it. Um, but it's like, and I understand all a that. WWE moment, Joe. That's, moment. That's, that's what it was. It, it, it was meant yeah. for the moment. And like, I heard a lot of people saying, and, and, and the rebuttal of this is because in the moment, as you know, when people watching it Saturday, everybody kind of said the same thing. Like, oh, geez, like, it's really a, kind of a shitty spot for Devlin. It, it, you know, looks like he's a monster. And then it's just like, yeah, you know, the guy that you're in the shadow of, yeah, you're still in the shadow of him and he's the main roster guy. And, and all these NXT UK guys are just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. secondary workers or whatever. And then people said, oh, you know, because I, I watched it like on Monday or Tuesday or whatever. Well, then Balor was going to get the, the Royal Rumble shot. So they had to do that. Like it, it was never mentioned. You know what I mean, like that's it, true. Like yeah. beating Jordan Devlin is not the reason Finn Balor, like this was not an elevation for Finn Balor. This was to get a pop in front of that crowd and have them all do the hands go up thing while the lights right. go on. And then that was it. Yeah. It was a moment. It was not, don't even miss me with this bullshit about, oh, this was to build him up for the, the Brock Lesnar match at the Royal. Right. What are you talking about? No, it wasn't. Yeah. It was in no yeah. way. It was never a part of that. So, and if you want to, okay, if you want to have Finn Balor quote built up for the Royal Rumble, just have him go beat somebody. Like, don't it, it, Devlin of all people. I, I just that's the thing. The, the the it being Devlin, the guy that like yeah is in your shadow, the guy that is trying to kind of be the, yeah, the, makes the next guy. Devlin. Yeah, it's just like oh, he's <laughs> still a geek and he's still in the shadow. Okay, well, all right, whatever. Next guy. Like you know what? You just immediately. Are just what like, you're oh. saying is it makes it worse because Devlin is his young boy. So exactly. it's like right, right, right. Yeah. 
So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I it just didn't look. I have no problem with bringing out Finn Balor for a pop. Hmm. I don't, I don't mind that at Not all. all. I think there's, but there were so many other better scenarios if you wanted to have yes, Finn Balor go out there and beat somebody. Yes. Like there, there's, there's a dozen guys. Joe, how many Jags are on the show that could get beaten by Finn Balor? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be perfectly okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, you could have brought anyone out just to do some heel mic work and then sent Balor out there to shut him up and have an impromptu match and beat him in six minutes. And that would have been a lot more fun than this, which was a fucking raw. This was a raw match. Yeah. Finn Balor is now just, he just goes through the motions and, and had a raw match on a, on a show and a brand where you don't have to do that. You can have a different structured style, structured match. This was a fucking second hour raw match that you never think about again. Yeah. He played, he played was, the hits, played the hits and got out yeah, of there. Yeah, exactly. You know, he beat him with the implant DDT and then the coup de gras, or however the hell you say that. I'm not a Frenchman. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, it was a fucking raw match. And I think it, you know, I don't know. But again, this could just be me projecting because I see something in Devlin that they don't. Because, you know, I, I mean, I know he got the mini push halfway through the season, but now he's a, in a mid-card guy having a mid-card feud with, with Travis Banks, and maybe that's all they see him as. And yeah, it's entirely possible that we're overrating. I get it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's possible that we think Devlin's capable of more, and, I, and he absolutely is. You know, I'm a, we're yeah. right on that. He absolutely is. I mean, just go watch the 2018 catalog, see some of his big-time matches. Just, like, hey, listen, just watch this show. Just watch <laughs> right. where he cuts great promos every week. And has great matches in every scenario, whether it's uh, against Pete Dunne or against a jobber. He goes out there and does a tremendous. He had that great match. Oh, that match against Dunne. I forgot about that one. Oh, I forgot he's done that even on NXT UK. Yeah. All right. No, fuck. No, he's great. Like, Jesus. Further than this show's canon. I forgot forgot that match with Dunne. Oh, my God. I love that match. This is why I say he was the breakout guy of all that shit they had in the can for the last six months. Like, he did a great job. He had a match against a jobber a couple weeks ago where. He was beating him around and toying with him, and then the jobber got a near fall. And I mean, it was just brilliant stuff for that for that style of match and the story they were trying to tell. We're we're and done it, with the two uh, the two airings at once, right? That's yes. over. Okay, thank God I can start watching the show again. I couldn't do that. Yeah, I could not do because Joe, you would miss a week, and you felt like you you had to go. You had to watch four. If you missed one week of the two yeah. tapings, and you went the next week and started watching it, you would watch four <laughs> in one sitting. And I'm like, no, I don't have that time to watch. Four episodes, and so I just I, like I, the last six episodes. I just didn't, or the last fuck eight episodes. I think I just didn't watch. I didn't watch YouTube videos to kind of catch up on the stories and whatnot. But I was like, I can't catch up with this. Like I missed one week, you know. By I, I forget what happened. I just like forgot to watch it, and I was like, fuck. Like now I'm I'm so far behind. Like Rich, this week, one episode, forty two minutes. Oh, I can't wait. I gotta watch it's it. Like the fucking clouds opening up in the sky, and you're just <laughs> I can breathe. It's awesome. You know, and if you skip all the dopey network commercials, it's like a half hour. So, and if you skip Isla Dawn versus Ginny, which you should probably skip, you know, now <laughs> yeah, that yeah. sounds like, yeah, that sounds like something I should skip. So, um, you know, Isla Dawn, she wrestles in slow motion. Like she, she, it's like Isla Dawn is like doing like, uh, um, uh, Darren Corbin's slow motion gimmick. <laughs> like she's not doing it on purpose. Like she, <laughs> Everything she does is in fucking slow motion. She's so bad. But anyway, um, so Balor beats Devlin. Not thrilled about that. And then we had uh, another very well-built feud, which was uh, Mastiff versus Eddie Dennis. No DQ. When these men faced each other on the TV show, they went brawling. Well, first Mastiff beat them. And then they've been brawling, which I complained about at the time, but it made sense for the larger story. Uh, and then they've been brawling around and, uh, you know, the no contest and attacking each other. So they have the no DQ match here. 
I thought this had a lot of really cool spots. I thought Eddie Dennis, for a guy who looks like, um, you know, Edge on a hunger strike with, with <laughs> Z, I, I feel like he really had a lot of good displays of power for that physique. I mean, he's, Dave Mastiff is a large man. And he's doing powerbomb spots and walking them across the ring. With yeah, the oh my God. Yeah, that was insane. I like Eddie Dennis a lot. Look, okay, I, I do too, and I don't know why. Like, I, like I, I'm left with this idea of, like, I, I like Eddie Dennis. And someone's like, oh, you know why? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea why I like him. But he I has, like him. He looks like of, shit. His looks gear looks like horrible. Shit. He looks like a 2002 gear. ROH, you know, extra. He looks like a member of the SATs or something like that. Or he's in fucking Special K or something like that. He special looks K, like, yeah. yeah, he looks like shit. He's got no physique. I, I just like, I think I think one of the things is I like the character. I like that he's a human being. Like, he's a real person that had a life outside of the NXT UK yes. universe. He's like a former teacher, a former master, whatever, the headmaster, whatever it was. And I like that. I love an idea of like, ah, this guy's like got a real, and like some of the promos that he cut, you know, in, in the early, early episodes of NXT UK were really good. And I've just always kind of been into him. And I, I don't really know why. I guess it's because I like I'm going to tell you why. He checks all of your boxes because if you go back to those, he, first of all, he carried over his indie character of the former guy who left the, left the great job behind to chase this stupid dream. But on top of that, what he's doing here in NXT UK is he had all this angst towards Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne because they blew right past them and became right, stars. Right. And, 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 and like you said, it's relatable. He's a real fucking person. Okay, so that makes it easy to understand his motivations and his story, even if he's uh, nefarious in nature and he's a heel. But at least you understand his motivations and he's a real guy. He's not the fucking war raiders that, you know, doing Renaissance Fair cosplay. (laughs) You can't get behind that. It's it's silly. But something like this, you can get behind it, you know, and and, and that's and, and again, yeah, you're right. You know, he wears basketball shorts and a wife beater. I mean, he has terrible <laughs> gear. He's he 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 looks like, like a dilapid- raver. Yeah, he looks like a game changer. Yeah. Wrestling, like deathmatch bro. He, yes, he looks like a dilapidated edge. He looks like a dehydrated edge. <laughs> dehydrated. And it's like, so he doesn't look great, but he can talk he like, like a dehydrated. Why'd you, where'd you get the dehydrated from? Yeah, you get dehydrated. You shrink if you get dehydrated. You know, like you're all fucking skin and bones. He looks like. Uh, <laughs> Who's the fuck? He looks like Christian Bale in The Machinist. You know, he just like he fucking <laughs> impoverished. You know? Yeah, like oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like he's got so, like he's got like Crohn's disease or something like that. You're like oh yeah, no. Oh, I don't god. know what his deal. He needs to eat a couple cheesesteaks or something. But the, the 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 point here is like he doesn't have he a great become a vegan. He should become a vegan with Trent Seven. <laughs> to probably help. Him. Right. He needs the Trent Seven diet. <laughs> but um, you know, it's like, but he can talk like a motherfucker. He gets his character across, and then when he wrestles, like. He's better than it looks like he's going to be. Like th- th- these displays of power in this match were very impressive. But um but anyway, uh he loses to Mastiff here, but I thought this was a good little match for the time that it got and the- they worked right to the stipulation and they did some cool shit with the stairs. I had no problem with this match. Yeah, I really liked it. I, I think it was exactly kind of the blunder or you know the the, the plunder match. Plunder. I don't know, blunder match. I mean plunder. I didn't mean blunder. It was great. Uh, the plunder match that I wanted. It was like they just went right to the shit. Like it, it's good that Eddie Dennis looks like an like an American deathmatch guy, and he like kind of wrestled. You know, and this match was like that. These guys just they fucking you know. I, I think they kind of went towards it right away. I mean, it was a lot of kendo stick shots, a lot of kind of the the generic sort of WWE 
weapons matches that you see from sometimes. But I think there was a lot of that fun stuff there. Like you said, Eddie Dunn is lifting up Mastiff. You know, Mastiff, I think, does a pretty good job with his size as well. And, and I think there was just enough of stuff with tables and enough stuff um, with the weapons that worked. And they didn't overstay their welcome either. It was like a pretty, you know, compact match. It was, you know, I think what it, what it, what it we have the match times here. I think it went, what, uh, 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Because sometimes those matches get a little like, okay, I've seen like 10 kendo stick shots. I'm good. But it wasn't that. It was like they did their little plunder stuff. They did the tables. Then they did some big power moves or whatnot. They had a few, you know, fun little stuff there. And then they hit their moves and, it, and they got out of there. So, and I think the, the result was fine too. I don't, Eddie Dennis not winning. I, I have no issue with that. I think he's good as a guy that, that continues to kind of get wronged or whatever. And I think that works for him. And I think Matt is a guy who who you know sometimes i um I, I i'm hit or miss with mastiff at the times i've seen him sometimes i really do like him and i think he's got potential and then sometimes he just doesn't quite do it for me this one i i think he was good in this match i think he was you know dennis i think did a good job uh, of selling for him and 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 overall i i really like this you know i i thought it was a pretty solid match i think i went about three and a half stars with it which i think is well above what everybody on grapple or whatnot do but i don't know i'm an any dennis guy so i can't you know i'm a stan if you will joe as far as Mastiff goes, I think he's doing the best overall work of his life on this show. I I have never been a Mastiff fan. I cannot stand the comedy stuff he does on the indies with Legero and 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 all of that shit. I think it's cringe. It was instant fast forward anytime uh, he'd come up on a progress show or or any other show that I was watching. Never liked the guy. He's the fake king of banter. I'm the real king of banter. And and but his work on this show, even though you know he's wearing like the Vader gear. Um, it, it's like, I think this is his best. I've enjoyed him more on this show, on this brand than I ever have in my life. So I, I agree with you. I don't mind that he won. I think they're doing a good job of him and he won it definitively. He won it with his finisher through a fucking table in the corner. Yeah. And I thought that was a cool spot too. It. Going through the table yeah. too. I think it was a cool spot given the you know, the the that these yep. guys have had. So. <laughs> Cannonball through the table and then he just fucking pins them, you know, and, and they could have easily have just redone the Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews feud in, in this brand. But I think they wisely sent Dennis in another direction with someone else instead of just redoing that. Because I always think about the total cringe that was Raven versus Stevie Richards in WCW, where Ugh. they blew, where they blew through two years of storylines <laughs> in like three weeks. Ugh. Remember that? Yes. Like <laughs> what took two years to do in ECW, WCW blew through it in like two or three weeks and just fucking, you know, did a horrible job at it. It's like, leave what happened with Dennis and Andrews and other places alone and have them feud with someone else. And that's exactly what they did here. So, because you, Rich, would really, really, really dig the Eddie Dennis Mark Andrews feud in progress. There was just a lot of stuff that I know would really connect with you. And do you recall the chapters when those are? Uh... We're going to do. The next time we recommend Matt do the. Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. I'm giving you the Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews match from Hello Wembley. Okay. Now, I'm giving that match to you for reasons outside of the fact that I think you're going to like the feud because everyone who has seen the matches now knows exactly why I'm recommending it to you because I'm not, I'm not going to give it away. Um, but when I give you that match, watch the because on that show, Progress did a bunch, they did the pre match like VTR, New Japan style videos to, to give you the background on the matches. Watch that. You okay. will fucking love it. Uh, the evolution of that feud and how everything went down. And and then the match itself happens. And, uh, you know, we'll just leave it at that. Um, but, but yeah, you would really dig the feud that they had, uh, even if the uh, 
the conclusion was a bit unfortunate for reasons that I'm not going to get into as to not spoil it for you. All right. Uh, Apparently but, chapter 55 is when it begins as well. So I don't know what Hello Wembley. I think that's like you know, many, many. I'm not going to go through 70. 20 chapters. Yeah, I'm not going through 20 chapters. No, you can just there. watch so, the, yeah, recap the VTR, video. If the retard, if that kind of gets you through it, then that's good. So. It does. No, no, the recap video is more than enough you know, to get you through. It does a great job taking you step by step of, of everything that happened and whatnot. Um, but, but yeah, so anyway, that was Mastiff and Eddie Dennis as we move along to, to, uh, to Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley. Um, I know you want to talk about Rhea Ripley cause you put out a tweet that uh, pissed off a lot of people. So I'll let you, <laughs> I don't know. Why. I don't know. You, you can defend that and talk about it. I'm just going to give you my brief thoughts and then get yeah, out of your right, way. Yeah, all right. Um, I thought this match was a major letdown. I thought it was a nothing match. Um, probably my least favorite match on the well, I don't know, Ballard Devlin. One of those two are my least favorite matches on the show. I think it underwhelms. Um, but I think that the right person won because I think Rhea Ripley is uh, very clearly on to bigger and better things. I think they might get her off this brand. I think you might see her on NXT. Yeah. I, I think you might see her on the main roster very soon. Oh no! And, um, <laughs> no! No! And well, yeah, that'll be the end of her. <laughs> no, but, um, she'll be trying to fuck Jimmy Uso in a hotel room <laughs> right. soon enough. Um, but but you know, and but but Tony Storm, I thought had to win the match because I don't know where you go with Tony Storm if she loses to Ripley again. So I thought it was the right booking call. I thought there were a lot of good booking calls outside of the Finn Balor stuff. I thought there were a lot of good booking calls on this show. Um, but yeah, I didn't think much of the match at all. I thought it was very generic, uh, the match itself. And I was a little disappointed by it, but I don't think that's a reflection on either person here. I think both of them are fine. They just didn't have a great night. Rich, the floor is yours. Yeah. No, I, I liked Ripley it a lot. Yeah. I liked session. Go ahead. I, I, <laughs> hey, no, but, uh, I liked it a lot. No, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really, uh, not like, I don't know. I'm not obviously the match of the night. The, ta- the tag team match was for sure, but I, I put it in the upper half of the show. I, for sure. I probably went, uh, I think I went three and a half with this. I know Andrew Sinclair who did our review on the website or Lee Malone did the review, sorry, on the website, And he went uh, three and three quarters with it too. So uh, he even went a little bit more than me, but no, I thought it was, I thought the build to it was pretty good. And I think, Ultimately, what, it, what the entire build sort of told me was, you know, Tony Storm is someone that I think is pretty solid, and I think she definitely has, you know, a, a big-time future. But she just got eaten alive by Rhea Ripley in the build of this and then this match as well. Like, Tony Storm, I, I'm glad that she won. It was probably better for her to win this because, you know, obviously Ripley beat her in the, you know, next UK Women's Championship Tournament or whatnot, and that was kind of the build of it and all that sort of stuff. So, um Made all the sense in the world that 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 you know Tony Storm would come back and get the win here because yeah exactly now she has something else to do and Ripley can can either go on to new things or you know kind of work her way back up or whatever but uh, I thought Ripley was was you know the character wise like her in ring is still leaving a little to be desired it's a little herky jerky it's not exactly perfect and that's probably where the match loses a little bit for me because like it felt like they were a little slow in terms of the stuff little you know they kind of have to think through their spots a little bit and I know Tony Storm is probably capable of uh, of having really really good matches. Uh, it, which is about anybody, but Rhea Ripley still, I, I you know, I like her style of matches, but it, 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 there's a little bit of hesitation there. She's 22. I mean, for God's sake, she's, she's still super young and still pretty early into, into her career. But as far as like a character and as far as presence and as far as just like, in aura i mean they're rhea ripley and i called her a prodigy on twitter and that got people very upset because like apparently there are other people that are good at wrestling except for rhea ripley i'm sorry i didn't know that like by saying rhea ripley at 22 is really good is like an affront to tyler Bate at 21 years old or whatever but like rhea ripley like 
when you see her come out and, and, and you see just the presence and the character and the gear and the way she carries the title and the way she walks down the ring and the way she snarls at people and, and just she just gets her character and she gets the idea of being a pro wrestler so well. And that's like, you don't get that out of 22 year olds that often. That's why I think that's why I call her a prodigy. Cause like, there's no way like they'd be, they're, they're, they're probably going to botch it when she gets to the main roster. Cause they do it with everybody. But like, this is a slam dunk. Like Ripley gets it. And, 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 and like, you can, you can get somebody to become probably a better wrestler. You can kind of refine her a little bit and have her work with some other people and, 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 and kind of refine some of the parts of it. Cause she's got like the, the, the basics of it there. She just kind of needs to get everything out, you know, all together. But like when someone's already nailing, like, character and nailing aura and charisma and getting like the genuine heel heat and just looking like a million bucks when they come down in the ring and looking like a million bucks when they're in the ring like that's the shit that's so hard to teach and that's the stuff that like no matter how many you know months and, and years you spend in nxt learning where the hard cameras are you're never going to get that like that's something that you just kind of have and ripley's got it in spades so i think that's the thing that really jumps off the page with me for me with her is that like she's just her character and like especially in this field when you see someone like a tony storm who i think is is, is one of the better women in in, in wrestling today and she just gets eaten alive by ripley like they did that press conference on the go home show to nxt uk and ripley is just a thousand times better than tony storm at that you know what i mean of just sitting in that chair she's got her hand behind her head she's kind of smirking and like yeah yada 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 and tony storm's trying to cut like these you know impassioned babyface promos or whatever and rhea ripley is just yeah just like yeah i think she's just yeah like all their prodigy and i, I really do think that the match itself i really like the back and forth there and i think it was pretty definitive uh, i like the, the the finish the last like minute of the match i thought was really really cool too where um and I think uh, what Tony, uh, she kicked out of a riptide, if I remember correctly, and then Rhea barely kicked out of the strong zero, like a two point nine count, which was awesome too. It got me up. I even knew the finish, and I was just like, "Oh, what? Hold on!" Like, and yeah, the and then for that, and the setup for that storm zero kick out was a headbutt. Which yeah, oh good. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they kicked out of each other's finish. You got it right. It was the riptide near fall, then the headbutt as the quick transition for the storm zero near fall. You're right, and then the. Um, and then yeah, and then and then and then uh, Rhea went for another Riptide, and it got countered. Yeah, into a Storm Zero. So that's the finishing stretch. Yeah, really, really good back and forth. And that's when they kind of got all together. And that's obvious that like they kind of probably rehearsed that part and was like, all right, we're gonna nail this finish here because yeah. some of the in between stuff was a little, I guess, that herky jerky, not quite there a little bit. And I put a little bit of that on Rhea, who who I think sometimes is kind of she's she kind of wants to slow it down and work like the WWE house style or whatever, which is fine. That's gonna get her a lot of you know praises back. And we'll talk about the main event here. Like that's gonna get her a lot of back pats as she comes through the curtain or whatever. But sometimes doesn't always lead to like the best and most you know engaging matches or whatever. But that finish showed you kind of what she's capable of and doing some really really good stuff there so no i thought it was was i you know i went three and a half like i said lee malone went went, went three and three quarters so i really liked it I, and i know there's some people yeah and you're not alone there's a lot of people that have kind of had been kind of you know indifferent on it but i think yeah and and probably a lot of it is because like i see ria and i'm like dude this this she's a fucking star like she is going to be a big time deal and i and i know i know that she ticks all the boxes for them too you know vince oh, yeah. is gonna jump off the page when he sees her i know triple h fucking adores her i mean how does he not look at i mean the leather the hair the aura just the snarl like that's triple h fucking to a t you know he loves rhea ripley so i don't know yeah you're right her losing this might be the she's ready to move up already so uh, yeah, we'll see where that, it goes, so. that was my prediction, and I thought it was the right call anyway. And and we we've heard whispers that the people who really matter in that company really love her. Well, how could you not? I mean, she looks like a million bucks. She's like big, you know. What I mean, she's got that yeah. imposing figure, and she does it in a way that like it's exactly like it, it ticks all their boxes too. Because she yeah. still she still looks. How's the right way to say this? Like she's attractive. big and intimidating, but she's still attractive. Yeah. Like she still yeah. looks hot. You know what I mean? Like and right. that's that's hard to do to do that like kind of in between there where she can look like she's big and strong or whatever. So she's got that sort of 
that China look to her where it's like, oh, fuck, but she'll fuck someone up. But then at the same time, still, is, it, you know, still looks good and, and, and can be. So that's going to tick all their boxes for, for, for WWE. So, yeah, sky's the limit for her for sure. Bangable is what you're saying. That's what Rich is saying. Make sure you put that on all your headlines. Rich says Rhea Ripley is bangable. Um, I, yeah, I, so- I wouldn't say no. I'll just say that. But that's not why I think she's great. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say no. The reason I went Gentleman's 3 with this is because I, I the closing stretch, like you noted, was great. It was the first half of the match where it was it was Ripley basically uh, working on top and dominating Storm and working over the back. And you have two very young wrestlers here, and I thought it was just so boring. It just wasn't compelling. And that's just stuff that they need to work on and, and gain some experience and, and do a better job of, of holding the attention of... I don't know. Um, I was going to say the crowd, but maybe it was just me. Maybe I'm the outlier. But the, the first half of the match just bored me to tears because I didn't find it particularly compelling. And then, uh, you know, once that they did the first headbutt spot, I do think it picked up from there because there yeah. were two big headbutt spots in the match. But uh, okay, so then we had our main event, which was Pete Dunne against Joe Coffey and, and Rich. Um, I, I, I've been thinking about this, and I legitimately have never seen a match in my life with more varying opinions on the quality of the match. Like, okay, so I've seen people give this a straight-up dud. And I've seen the highest rating I've seen for it is is four and three quarters. <laughs> yeah. Match of the year territory. And all points in between. A lot of threes. Our reviewer, Lee Malone, gave it one star. I've seen a lot of people around, like, where I have it, like, right around, you know, three and three quarters or four. So, match of the year. Dud, all points in between. I cannot think of another match historically that had such wide variance of opinion where across the spectrum you can find someone who thought just about anything about it. Now, we've seen over the past few years, Rich, you'll see the random person say, ah, Okada Tanahashi, that was a dud. But they're just some goofball who either stopped liking wrestling in 1985 and just don't like anything modern. Or there's someone who's just trying to fade New Japan fans and troll. I don't, that doesn't count. I'm talking about genuine, honest opinions from people who you know are being honest and who have their shit. Like, Lee Malone's a good reviewer. Yeah, yeah. Okay? He hated the fucking match, and I believe him. I don't think there's an agenda there with Lee Malone. He just yeah. saw a match that he fucking well, <laughs> and- I, Not to spoil it, but you're about to see, I think, uh, a, a very uh, different of opinion here in a sec. But yeah, go which ahead. May, which is perfect, because that's how <laughs> this match... It just has a legitimate variance of opinion all coming from a good place and not from a place of agendas or someone who is parachuting in to watch a hyped match just ready to hate on it. None of that shit that you see sometimes. This is legitimately a fucking cornucopia of opinion on this match. And I think here's the other thing. And I think all of those opinions are valid because I totally get where people who hated this fucking match are coming from. I get where people are coming from who thought it was like, a match that could have been good but ended up being average and i get the people i get where people are coming from who loved it so i liked the match i think i went four flat um because while it very i had obvious flaws okay but i thought there was enough great stuff in this match to overcome the flaws to where i still thought it was a very good match uh we'll get into the deep mechanics of it but rich what did you think of the match? You're the one on the opposite end. Yeah, I thought it was boring as fuck. I hated it. <laughs> I mean, the, the finish was fine, but I thought it was boring as shit. And Joe, the NXT UK Universe 
was with me too. They were not making a goddamn noise at oh, we all just, during the beginning oh, now, of this Hold match. on a second. The crowd loved this match. No, they didn't. The first they were 20, this is awesome. When? At the last 10 minutes they were. The, the first 25 minutes they didn't give a fuck. And I can't disagree more. I thought the finish is where it sucked. And the rest of the matches. Oh, where it was I don't good. know. We were on. We were. We were totally a different show, on opposite yeah, I don't know, here. man. I thought it was boring I as fuck. The finish fell apart. I thought that the the dopey spot where they screwed it up the first time and then tried to do it again, and then the finish was awkward. I thought the closing stretch was what killed the match. If anything, you like the end. I thought the buildup was was pretty damn good. I wasn't. I they held my attention. I thought it was really strong. Uh, the work going through, and I love the face off spot towards the end where they just snarled at each other and then went in like fucking Fry and Takayama. Yes. Yeah, that's the part that I really liked. That part I liked a lot. And then, but but I unfortunately really came twenty five minutes into the match. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was a, it was way too it was too long. It was definitely too long, and they blew some spots even outside of the 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 one everyone's talking about where where they fell off the turnbuckle. Um, which oddly, I'm gonna now oddly. I thought that, that 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 them falling off the turnbuckle worked in the context of the match because they were both doing the exhausted gimmick by that point. The problem is they went up again. Okay, <laughs> they should have. Yeah, don't don't ever do that. Yeah, any pro wrestlers listening to this, never go back to it. Come up with something different. Like it's the worst thing in the world is going back to the spot that you fucked up. Just just it's it's done. It's never gonna. The toothpaste is never going back. Just just go on to something different. Move on. Because I'm watching this and I'm thinking, okay, they fucked up, but you know what? It works because the whole idea of the match at this point is they're on fumes. So I can buy into the fact that they fell off. And then when they went back up again and repeated it and did what they were intending to do, which was fall off. I mean, that's the other thing, Rich. They repeated the spot to do it over again, even though the outcome was the same. <laughs> Why are you doing it again? Yeah, You got the intended result the first time. It just happened in an awkward manner. But anyway, that wasn't the... There was a there was a, earlier in the match they were outside the ring and they were totally on different pages and they fucked up a sequence on the outside of the ring so there were a bunch. Of, this yeah. is such well, a coffee is match. coffee is way out of his class. I mean, coffee. I'm not putting anything of this on Pete Dunn because Pete Dunn. I've seen him have hundreds of great matches. I'm putting this on coffee. I think coffee was way out of his element here. It's benefited the doubt because he's great and. It, it, it's almost like you're saying, look, well, I got two wrestlers, and I know that one is great, and the other one I have massive questions about. How can I blame the one that I know is I just great? can't. I can't say that Pete – I mean, it, it could have been better possible that Pete Dunn fucked everything up and, and screwed it all up, but – you know, yeah, he gets yeah. Benefit of the doubt is the great thing here. So that's that's why I think I, I just think coffee too in terms of a presence, in terms of just everything. It's just like he looked like a guy that was just way out of his element here. It just seemed like he was just not on the same level. And, and I, I feel like the crowd didn't buy in at any point to him actually knocking off Pete Dunn. Like they just never, I think, bought in that that he could be the guy that could do this. Yeah. See. To me, it's just a really weird match in that there was a lot of things I didn't like about it. But then when it was over, I was like, I I kind of liked it. Um, even though I didn't think it was perfect and it was very rough around the edges and there was enough stuff about it that I really liked. And, you know, the finish to getting there was awkward, but the finger break spot, which it was a big part of the build, um, as the finish, you know, so there were things I liked, um, but I'm not going to go crazy on you or anybody else who thought it sucked because I totally see where you're coming from. So, uh, so yeah, a very weird match. Yeah, and the thing is with it is, as I'm watching, and this probably hurts it too, is that I know that like 
there's one guy back there with a headset that thought it was the greatest fucking thing he's ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, I know yeah. the Triple H was eating this fucking up, and this is exactly the type of match that they want those guys to have, and the exact match that Joe Coffey was trying to work, and 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 I'm positive that Joe Coffey walked through that curtain and Triple H gave him the biggest back pat and the biggest handshake ever, because that's exactly... It felt like a 2004 Triple H match, which, I, if you like that sort of stuff, if you like kind of the long, drawn-out WWE-style main events, you might like that, but that's, that's a big reason why I didn't like it, too, because I knew exactly Exactly. The template was almost to a T exactly what I knew that that one guy back there, whoever was aging it, was like, yeah, this will be perfect. And I don't want to see Pete Dunne in those atmospheres. Like, I, I, I think Pete Dunne is so much better at, at, at doing matches that have a little bit you know, more juice to them, a little bit more back and forth. And, and I just thought coffee was kind of outclassed. And, and, and I feel like the, the NXT UK universe didn't quite buy into it either. So, um, yeah, I, it's just it didn't work for me. But, hey, the, the, what happened immediately after the match was fucking awesome. So that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, coffee was... Um the wrong guy for the spot i think we can all agree um i thought everyone kind of scratched their heads at the tapings it's like joe coffee's getting the big push here okay um and yeah i do think he was a little outclassed and i i don't think i think he's taking a bit too hard of a beating from some people i don't think he's like the worst wrestler on earth or oh no no it was a perfectly competent main event match yeah yeah Yeah. it's like you know but he was the wrong guy joe coffee is sexy star and Jordan Devlin is Pentagon Jr. I mean, that's all there is to it. They pushed the wrong guy. Um, you know, that, you're never going to hear Joe Coffey compared to Sexy Star on any other podcast. But, I mean, <laughs> only, here. Yeah, only here. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, you know, you tape that far ahead and you, you fucking you, you push the wrong dude. You know, Gallus or whatever the hell they're called. It's a mid-card act. It's a mid-card stable. You know, Wolfgang and the Coffee Brothers don't belong at the top of the card. God, no. But they have a fascination with Wolfgang that none of us can explain. <laughs> He's got pictures of somebody. I don't know. What. I, you know, it's like he doesn't even look like someone they would like. But from the start, he's been one of the core four dudes that they've been using all along. And now he's part of a main event heel stable. And I don't understand what they ever saw in Wolfgang. I, I, I don't get it. Um there's other guys of Wolfgang's ilk who I think right on the roster who are more interesting. T-Bone is way more interesting than Wolfgang. Um, you know, uh, fucking wild boar. Give me some wild boar instead of <laughs> Wolfgang. Okay, I like me some wild boar. I don't know why they call him Mike Hitchman. I don't know why they don't just call him wild boar. But uh, isn't, isn't wild boar Mike Hitchman a mouthful? That and, is quite a lot. Yeah, you, you got to pick one or the other there. And, and I think Wild Boar is what you pick, for sure. <laughs> yeah, just go with Wild Boar, you know? Fuck, man. Guy looks cool. He's got the black contacts. He's fucking, he works like a fucking boar, you know? But uh, boar, B-O-A-R, not B-O-R-E. Right, you know, right, when right, I say right, that, oh, you know, yeah. he fucking looks like a wild boar. Um, but yeah, I don't know what their fucking deal is with Wolfgang. I mean, that guy doesn't do a thing for me. Um, but, but yeah, so that, you know, coffee was just, he's yeah. sexy we, we need to get those, we can need to get those guys new music too. That music is horrible. Some of the, yeah. some of the aesthetics of NXT UK, I like it, you know, all in all. And I, and I think it's a good brand and it's an exciting brand and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it sometimes. It's a little boring sometimes. A little it's, boring. it's a little dry sometimes. And it's the aesthetics, the they yeah. got to work on some of the aesthetics here, which is weird because everybody is so hyper intensive about that. And you got some people like Ray Ripley who just fucking nails it, like I said, in terms of her look and stuff. And and you got you know Seven and 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 Bate look, you know, and they're wearing their British bulldog gear. Like they got it. Like there's some guys that just fucking get it. And then you have like like we mentioned Eddie Dennis, who looks like a fucking G Raver. He's wearing like the basketball shorts and the, the, the trunks, and that looks kind of shitty. And then you just have like. Yeah, like the the Gallus like theme music is like this like 
electronica R&B. And it's like, here's a bunch of bearded, burly Scottish men. Let's give them like this like sweet electronic drum R&B music. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, at least in that case, at least go with the generic bagpipes. Exactly. Like, like, I know that it's kind of like, yeah, I know it's kind of lame to go with the bagpipes, but I would rather the bagpipes than like the, it's just like this terrible, like kind of like country R&B. Like, what is, what is that music? Hey now, like <laughs> there's just like this terrible like electronic drum in the background. Like, what are we? What? And then like the guys that come out are a bunch of Scottish guys with beards. Like, what? I feel like it should be hillbillies coming out to that song. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Appalachia or something, you know. But it's got like enough R and B to it that you're like, what the fuck is this yeah. song? Like, it, it, it's just like, oh. And then like a lot of the guys come out to like you know rock anthem number nine or whatever and it's just like oh yeah. jesus with their their titan tron is just like their name with like flames coming around it. it's like what are we doing here yeah this is uh this this is cfo mailing it in <laughs> this is cfo just getting through the projects on late on a friday afternoon before they get to go home you know they're like oh fuck we need a song for jack stars <laughs> right. you know like i what, what are we <laughs> But you know what? What, what do you want me to do with uh, with an Isla Dawn? Just put a fucking spooky sound effect in there and let's move on. You know that's kind of like what it, it just it's mailed in. But uh, but yeah, you're right that the show itself it can be boring uh, to say the least at times. I think there's about a half a dozen six to eight wrestlers who are really uh, fun watches on this show that really get you into it, and the rest is a lot of jags. There's a reason I created a fake title for my reviews to juice it up a little the jag championship because if i didn't i would go crazy sometimes watching the show um you know you can only watch Legero have a two and a half star match so many times i mean it's just you know, <laughs> but he, joey has 500 two and a half star matches in the year so you got to respect him yeah <laughs> i love that idea like i wrestle a lot like yeah it's cool man like, you're I not like, very good yeah, yeah, yeah i mean i, I you know, <laughs> it's like it's really admirable that you wrestle a lot of mediocre matches like cool cool story bro <laughs> joe connor's promos have to be ribs they have to be ribs when Joe Connors does a pro. They give him so much mic time <laughs> and so many vignettes. And, you know, he's like he's like Adam Cole minus a chromosome or something. I don't know how else to describe. God. He's like <laughs> he's like Adam Cole's like ugly brother who, you know, and everything about him is like like if him and Adam Cole, you you all know a family like this. You went to school with brothers where one got all the good genes. Right. And had all the athletic ability and got all the hot girls and the other got all the bad genes and wasn't a good athlete, was a terrible student and and was banging sea creatures and just had all of the negatives. And and, you know, you you know, a family. I'm thinking about him now. Yeah, no, I got I got him. Exactly. I know the exact brother. Like every town has a family like that where one brother is Adam Cole and the other brother is Joe Connors and they vaguely resemble each other. So you can buy in that they're brothers. But one guy just got all the fucking breaks in the fucking uterus and the other one got nothing. You know, the other one mom smoked through the pregnancy. She had a she had a problem with the drink. Okay, she maybe, you know, had a lot of stress during the pregnancy and and she learned from it. And then when the Adam Cole brother was in the fucking uterus, she like, you know, she was singing lullabies to her belly. She was taking fucking uh, Lama's classes. She was vitamins. Yeah, yeah, the vitamins. Yeah. Diet. <laughs> right. And then the end result is you have Adam Cole 
and you have Joe Connors, and it's just the way it is. You know, it's like you know, it's unfortunate for Joe Connors, but you know, he's he's like, he, I can't even call him a dollar store, Adam Cole. He's he's like, I don't know, he's just the he's the free version of Adam Cole. You don't even have to pay a dollar for Joe Connors. He's just he's just there, and they're asking you to take him. He's like when AOL would send you forty free hours. That's what he is. He's a forty free hour internet disc is what Joe Connors really is. And, you know, Adam Cole is uh, the old T1 connection. You know, that's the difference here. Mm -hmm. So I can't come up with any more of these. uh, now. No, it's pretty good. I think you've you've exhausted it. But no, that's the thing about it. And that's the reason I kind of almost, I I think, like NXT UK is that, like, the opening matches are just kind of like your Amir Jordans and your, your, uh, who's the other guy I'm trying to think of? Like your Kenny you know, Williams. Kenny, that's exactly Kenny yeah. Williams. Is the, I love how you knew exactly what I was talking about. Kenny Williams about, is exactly Tur- what I was talking about. How about Turbo, aka Kenta? How about Turbo when he makes an appearance? But so like, but like you can kind of shut your brain off while those guys are on. You can kind of do yeah. other things. You can vacuum. You can fold laundry or whatever. But then you know, like a half hour in or whatever. All right, cool. Like it's now this guy. Like here are the main eventers, and because the, the talent roster on the top is incredible. Like you, yeah. you have your, you know, your your your, your Duns and your Bates and your Sevens and and, and your Walters and and you know now with Walter and, and your Zach Gibsons and and even your Devlins and and your Mark, Mark Andrews and the, yeah. So you have all the guys there. Even a Flash Morgan Webster, who I don't love, like he he's a pretty solid you know all around guy. You just kind of have to get through some of the jobber stuff, but I, I like that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, they, there's a clear hierarchy there of like, here are the there stars, is. and here's Amir Jordan, Kenny Williams, and Mike Hitchman. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, this the, the TV this week was a perfect example because you had Fabian Ackner and and Marcel Bartel against uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, and it was an awesome main event. You know, and they're pushing Ackner and Bartel now, and then you know, but you had to sit through Isla Dawn versus Ginny. And you had to sit through, you know, Laguerre versus Saxton Huxley, which is another guy. You know that the fucking he's the fucking uh, what he's the uh, what the man cat? What was he? The uh, oh no, the ba- it wasn't Battle Cat. That's too cool of a name. Battle Cat, uh, Bear Cat, Man Cat. I forget what it was, but yeah, it wasn't Before good. Whatever it was, hair. it was stupid. <laughs> Before he grew out the hair, like now he has hair and a beard, but he's still a jag. I don't care how much hair that man has, but he used to be bald, right? Wasn't he the Battle Cat? What the fuck was he called? Was it like, Battle Battle Cat's too cool of a name? There's no way it was Battle Cat. It wasn't Battle Cat. It wasn't Man Cat. Uh, it was a fucking Cat Willy. What the fuck was his name? Saxton Huxley in the first UK tournament. Remember? Yeah. What was it? All right. Let, let, I'm gonna find out because people are. We gotta find. We gotta find the, the Saxton Huxley. Uh, muscle Cat. Uh, muscle Cat. Sweet. No, muscle muscle cat. cat. That's a great name. Muscle I don't know cat. Muscle Cat was a great name. <laughs> muscle Cat. He yeah, not was have a great many muscles though. Did. I mean. No, he's in a good total shape, jack. but he was a good shape. But I don't know. He's a muscle cat. Like, like Brian Cage should be called muscle cat. Like not Saxton Huxley or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you got to sit through Saxton Huxley Legero and and sit through the muscle cat. But then you get to a great main event. So yeah, and I guess we got to talk about Walter. He comes out to his uh, to his uh, usual music. He's wearing the, he's got the same gear and the same fucking trench coat. And everyone knows who he is. They what pop- a fucking deal that guy made! Like, hi, I'm coming in. I get to do my schedule exactly the way I want it, and I get to keep everything about myself. I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Like, just don't go to all lead. <laughs> we don't care. Like, you know what I liked about that guy face- got. You know what I liked about his face off with Dunn. At one point, they both slapped the L1 button and did their fire pro taunts. <laughs> yeah, right. At the same time. Did you notice that? I did, yeah. Like Walter did the thing where he puffs out his chest and Dunn did his fucking little taunt. You know, it's like, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it's like, look, Walter and Dunn, they're probably going to have awesome fucking matches and all that. 
Rich, I felt a tinge of uncomfortableness and sadness when Walter came out. For the first time, after all of these signings and WWE collecting all of this talent, I think it made me a little sick finally. And I've had enough. And I'm, I'm just not totally okay with them just signing everyone and storing them away in mothballs. And, and I know it's going to be a little different with Walter, but man, you know, it's just, and I, and I know we've got a lead around the corner that's shaking this up and helping to change things, but enough's enough, man. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's, it, and it's good for all these guys and I hope they all become millionaires and it's, it, it's nothing about that. It's just, I don't know. I felt a little weird about this one. Like I wasn't all the way in with seeing him in the WWE ring, this guy at this time, but I get why everyone else might be super excited about it. I don't know. Uh, where yeah, are you? It, it, I didn't mind this it. I kind of enjoyed it. I, me a little. I don't yeah, know. I can't explain it. The problem is that I think one of the things that it, it, what will probably bother you about it is some of the stuff that I liked about it is that he was able to kind of keep all of the th- like the music was kind of the same, the, the approach exactly. was kind of the same. Also, yeah. all that stuff was kind of the same. But the problem is, you know, deep down that like it's going to be all sanitized once it eventually gets to that point. Like you're not going to get the Walter of old. You're not going to get the big chops Walter. Like it's going to become sanitized at some point, but it's going to feel like, Oh geez, like they're kind of almost all the way there, but then they're still going to kind of control it a little bit in the end. So I get that. And and that's kind of, you know, one of the problems when I said when like Vic Joseph was driving me nuts is I'm watching the show. Like I like NXT UK. I like a lot of the the roster and all that sort of stuff, but this show was like grating to me because it felt like very much like, Oh geez, like this is our new, this is our new reality now is like, this very sanitized WWE speak thing with, with a lot of my favorite like wrestlers that I love. Like some of my favorite wrestlers in the world right now are, 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 are out there and they're, they're doing good work and stuff, but it's all done in this like very contrived atmosphere that looks exact NXT UK takeover Blackpool, like no different than NXT takeover war games two or whatever. You know what I mean? Like exactly like the same camera shots, the same cuts right. to the announcers, the same speak, the same structure of the matches, the same. Just a, just just a European building with prettier architecture. Right, exactly. Like everything is the same. And you realize, like, as you're watching this, like, I can ultimately like it, but then realize, oh my God, like, we're going to get this in Japan and we're going to get this in Mexico and we're going to get whatever they eventually do and whatever other tentacles NXT UK has or NXT has. You're like, oh, geez, like, it's going to become because it's NXT UK. They, they've kind of lost, even though I like the show, even though I enjoy it, they've lost all that was unique about that. Like the crowd even chance a little bit but it's like not even the same like they really i think they did a good job earlier in the show and then they kind of wore out a little bit but that it, it, it it's still not the same and the match types were very much like i said that joe coffee pizza main event didn't work for me because that wasn't a main event that you'd see on any big time uk show that was a triple h backstage agent you know you know what i mean like that's a match yeah. that he's gonna walk through the curtain and they're gonna say yeah that's how we do it here pal or what like they, they love that sort of style and it's like oh geez like that's kind of this new reality now is that this is what we're going to get? Like your favorite wrestlers, some of your favorite wrestlers are going to do it, and they might still be able to stretch, you know, spread their wings and have you know good matches and do some sort of stuff. But it's going to be sanitized and sort of templated, and that's what NXT UK feels like. It's a template. It's just in, done in a different way, like a little bit of a different background with a few different wrestlers or whatnot. But at the end of the day, it still feels no different than NXT, uh, you know, or no different than Two Hundred Five Live, or no different than really anything else. Like it's it, it's the same now, and that's that 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 does kind of hurt. And NXT's kind of lost that a little bit too. Like NXT used to feel counterculture, and now in a lot of ways, it feels very very similar to what you get elsewhere, even if it is a little bit different in the same sense. So um, maybe I yeah. don't know. All I know is just I was a little uneasy with it, and it didn't give me the feeling I wanted it to give me, which is I can't wait for this fucking match. So, um, you know, I'm sure it'll be great. 
but uh, yeah, Walters and you know obviously got an enormous pop. So uh, you know another guy to uh, to to add some juice to what sometimes is a very uh, juiceless show. So that's NXT UK Takeover Blackpool. I mean, quick thoughts overall. I mean, I see a lot of people are super down on this show. I thought overall it was a pretty good show. I be but where you fall on the main event is really going to drive your opinion here. Because if you thought the main event was shit, then you're leaving this match with a pretty then you're leaving this show with a pretty shitty feeling because the middle stuff was okay. Um, and I think everyone universally pretty much loved the opener. So, but to me because I I thought the main event was all right, I thought it was a pretty damn good show. Yeah, ultimately, I, I enjoyed watching it. Like, it, it did not feel like a waste of my two and a half hours or whatever. So, yeah, even though there is some stuff that we criticize and I didn't love the main event, like, you know, I liked the opener. I thought was incredible. Really, really good. And, you know, early contender for, you know, my favorite tag match of the year or whatnot. And then, yeah, like the Massive Dennis I enjoyed and, and Tony Storm Rhea Ripley I enjoyed. And the other stuff was, you know, even though Pete Dunne and Coffee, I, I, I hated it. It was still like, you still had to watch it. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't something I was like, oh, my God, like, I, I cannot wait for th-. I didn't like hate it hate it but it was just like ultimately kind of disappointing and whatnot and and then balor and devlin was like a perfectly competent raw match that you know was fine so no ultimately uh, yeah it, it was an easy way to, to spend two and a half hours so a thumbs up for me sure all right so we have a few more wwe centric topics to get to uh rich you might say that there's a few things that we can uh bounce around and talk about when it comes to uh, the WWE. What do you what do you think of that? You think, oh my uh, god, are you are you insinuating that we could bounce around uh, the old Titan Towers, bounce around WWE? Is that what you're insinuating here? I, that with these you know numerous topics that we have left, I think we got a couple of quick hitters, and this is a perfect opportunity, Rich, to go bouncing around Titan. Rich with the elite and all elite forming. And six-figure contracts get tossed around from the cons and from Ring of Honor. There's a lot of unhappy wrestlers in WWE, and they're starting to chirp up. And there has been a lot of rumblings, a lot of rumblings of some talent that either have they want out, or they've asked out, or they're uh, looking at their watches and waiting for their contracts to time out. Uh, Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis, of all people have reportedly from Pro Wrestling Sheet requested their release from WWE, which is basically art imitating life as Maria Kanellis cut a promo on 205 Live just last week asking Drake Maverick why he flies them in every week and then doesn't use them as it is cutting into their time that they could spend with their with their infant child. Did they actually cut that promo? I wasn't sure yes, if you were lying or not. And I like, I don't know if people watch 205 Live to call you out Nobody on it. Nobody watches it but me. Yeah, like right. some people were like, really? And then other people were like, yeah, that happened. And I, I, I didn't know whether to believe it. So so Maria cut a fucking shoot promo on 205 Live. Goddamn, Last man. week on 205 Live, Maria came into Drake Maverick's quote-unquote office and said she had beef with him. Why do you fly us in every week and then not use us? You're cutting into our time with our infant child. Drake Maverick blew them off. <laughs> and he said, and I quote, I guess I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. And they walked off. I thought they were setting up some dopey angle. It turns out she went right to Triple H and he has to be cut. So it's life imitating art. It's just, it's bizarre. And then this week on 205 Live Rich, TJP comes up to Drake Maverick. And he's basically being Mr. Cool like he don't give a fuck. And then in the middle of Drake Maverick talking to him, he just hand waves him and walks away. Which again... 
if you saw TJP tweeting a couple of weeks ago, he's like, <laughs> I don't care anymore, man. I'm going to do my own thing. So, again, are the 205 Live writers basically writing these people off the show using their real-life issues? What the hell is happening here? And then you had the Metallica tweet from a few weeks ago where, hey, where should I do in 2019? And, and, and it can remain with 205 Live. I do not believe it was one of the options. So, uh Pretty fun stuff there. Asking fans, he put up a poll and it said, <laughs> "Should I go to CMLL or should I work indies?" <laughs> right. Yeah, not. I don't believe. I, I don't remember. I know the tweet in front of me, but none of the options were remain with 205 Live and remain with Lucha House Party. Right? I, I don't think that was one of the options no. given. So, and then yeah. this week on 205 Live, Leo Rush comes out, cuts a promo on Grand Metallic, and then wrestles Lindsay the Rock. <laughs> So something's going. If you want to know who's leaving WWE, you need to watch 205 Live because they're tipping you off on all of it. But anyway, we've got Bennett and Canellis asking to be cut, and then we have Sean Ross Sapp from uh, Fightful.com saying that the Revival are basically waiting out the clock, and uh, and and Bodyslam.net had their own spin on that. I don't know who the hell Bodyslam.net is, but they claim that they were they straight up requested their release. At any rate, uh, we've got a lot of talent in the company who are starting to chatter about leaving. Rich, didn't we try to tell people this a couple of weeks ago? And didn't a bunch of rando weirdos come into our Twitter mentions and tell us that we were crazy? Uh, am I imagining all of that? Or no, is no, it definitely happened. But we're, we're right again. We're right again. Uh, I, I don't know if you've been following. I know you, uh, you usually will follow Maria Canellis uh, Bennett's uh, Twitter account. But uh, she uh, did one of our favorite things in the world where... She uh, responds to rumors, but actually doesn't like really refute the rumors. Like they don't listen to. You know, we talked about Pete Dunne was like, "Hey, don't listen to what you're hearing on the internet. Like it's all, you know, like don't listen to what you hear." And then like you never refute the rumor, and then the, all the rumors are true. So um, her most recent tweets are: Everybody thinks they know everything. Ha ha! It's social media, not an autobiography. Social media fat check. Mike never went to rehab anywhere. He was on the road with me rehabbing. We were on house shows. We never took any time off for rehab. He worked through it. I worked for WWE for six years before I got pregnant. I worked in sports entertainment for 14 years before having a baby. WWE has been super supportive of me being a mother and a superstar. Never once did she say I didn't ask for my release. She just says right. all that stuff. So, yeah, it's like you, you, the easy tweet would have been, no, this is not true. I did not ask for my release. She didn't say that. She instead was like, no, this is wrong. No, that's wrong. No, that's not right. But the thing that she it's never said was wrong. She never asked that she, uh, yeah. So when there's smoke, there's sometimes fire. So it's deflection, and she didn't refute it, and that's her way of not getting in trouble with her bosses for talking to Ryan Sat. That's basically yeah. what it comes down to. Uh, Meltzer had follow up on the revival. He says after their win on Raw, while still in their gear, they asked <laughs> for their release. So listen, we've got three different sources. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, Dave Meltzer's been doing it for 40 years. Sean Ross Sapp has proven to be reliable. I don't know who the fuck Bodyslam.net is, but like you just said, three different sources where there's some smoke, there's some fire. Seems like the revival wants out. And oh, by the way, they've been building a match with the Young Bucks for a year. None of that shit is ever an accident. So uh, lots of unhappy talent, Rich, just as we predicted. A lot of it. Listen, all these guys, the revival, Mike Bennett, Maria Canellis, TJP, Graham Metallic. What is the common theme? undercard people who are frustrated with their usage and probably not making as much money as they were hoping. And this fits the description of everyone who's eventually going to run out their clock and try to get the hell out of this company. Their overbloated roster is, uh, it, it, it just, there's not enough room to push everyone. And um, all of these people have, um, you know, uh, upside to some degree. I'm not a big Mike Bennett fan, but he's a guy who could serve a purpose. 
um, you know, uh, and, and all of the others obviously are very talented in-ring wrestlers at minimum. Rich, if the Revival walked into Elite a year from now. You got to stop with this Elite thing. I know it's like your thing that you, that, that's your fetch, man. You got to call it all Elite. <laughs> you keep calling it's it. too wordy. I'm not saying no, all. No, you can't. This Elite thing is, is, is you're going to go down in flames with it, but I, I, I appreciate your, 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 your willingness to go with it, but uh, it is definitely your, it is Lance's fetch for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not comfortable. It comes off the tongue weird. Listen. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you there. But every time I hear you say elite, I'm like, oh, Joe, just say all elite. If Revival walks into AEW. There it is. Now, that's tomorrow. weird, too. We don't like AEW. I'll, I'll let you go with elite or all elite. Son of a bitch. Like... Can I make my point? You yeah, know, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. else. Too so worried about what I'm calling this place. <laughs> Sorry. If Revival walks in to all elite wrestling, Rich, uh, that's a main event feud with the Bucks. And the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is you hear a lot of this. Ah, these are all jobbers. Who cares if they leave? Well, they're only jobbers because they've been treated as such. I mean, that's a self-fulfilled prophecy from the company that they're currently in. TJP looked like a megastar when he won the Cruiserweight Classic. The Revival looked like superstars when they were in NXT. You know, so these are all self-fulfilled prophecies by the company they're in. That doesn't mean that these guys are Grand Metallic. Okay, uh, whenever he's been given an opportunity, uh, he's gotten rave reviews everywhere. Yeah, Ch- Chad Gable was one of like the the best wrestlers in the world for an entire year, and just like now he's you know obviously what Chad Gable is right now. I mean, yeah, it, that's it's all in the eye of the beholder. It's all in how you're used, and and which I mean, example right there. We go to all elite. The, you know, Max and Jeremy Buck were not exactly lighting the world on fire in Impact, and now they're you know one of the biggest power you know broking you know yeah it, it, it's all about you know where, where you're at and what your atmosphere is. And I'm not a huge revival guy, but but I believe full well that if they went to All Elite, that'd be a big deal. It'd be a huge a, deal. It, it would be a main event program with the Bucks because they've been building it for so long, and that would be at the top of the of the cards without question, no yeah, matter and- how they're treated in WWE. And the other thing I wanted to bring up when you're bringing up some of those names there, like, yeah, none of those guys are probably, like, even if they're not superstars, even if you're Mike Bennett or whatever, who I'm not a big fan of, or you're Metalliques or who, who I think is incredible, but maybe not a, a, star, a star. And, yeah. and TJ Perkins, maybe not a star. But the problem is, and, and the big criticism that I think a lot of people have with the, the elite, the, the all elite, you know, geez, I almost did that, that roster is that, like, okay, you got Cody and you got the box and you got Jericho. Okay, who are your. Who are your undercard guys? Who are your ditch diggers? Who are the guys that are kind of building the rest of the shows around? Well, yeah. those are all guys that fit into that perfectly. Guys that that know full well. TJP doesn't think he's going to walk in all elite and be doing main events with with Chris Jericho, but he looks at it and goes, "Hey, look, I have a good spot to be like one of the top guys of their mid card or one of the top guys of their upper mid card or whatever." And that's now what we're seeing is these guys who realize, you know, maybe they're not, you know, and, and people immediately think, "Oh, if you're going to leave, you think that you should be a star." I don't think that they those guys think that. I think well. In one breath, I do think that every wrestler thinks that they should be the main eventing WrestleMania every single year or whatever. That, that's why you're in the game for it. Every every NBA player thinks they can be the MVP. Every you know baseball player thinks they'll you know win a World Series or whatever. Like that, that it is what it is. Like that, if you're a competitive athlete, like that's what you do. But I think these guys realize and look at the at the landscape and look at hey, you look, you're you're, you're signing the Jungle Boy and and and, and these like you know yeah. these guys like here MLW is signing the Almighty Sheik. Like you need guys like us. You need yeah. TJP. It could be a big deal for you. 
to round out your cards. A Grant Metelli could be a big deal for you to round out your cards. Even a Mike Bennett. I don't love Mike Bennett, but I think he would fit perfectly into what all he wants. Like, I don't really want to see it. I'm not a fan of his at all, but he's a great fit for them. They need a, they need guys like that. They got their Cody's. They got their Bucks. They have Jericho now. They got Stars. They have Hangman Page. You know, they have their Janellas and your MJFs or whatever. But you got to run out the card, and especially if they're looking for like good wrestlers, and they know that good wrestlers are are are, are currency for for all elite and and for Ring of Honor and those sort of things too. So yeah, that's what you're seeing here. These these guys aren't leaving because they think that they're going to be stars, and people don't think, oh my god, Grand Metalli's going to main events, you know, double or nothing or whatever. But you need guys on those other you know rosters, and if they feel like they'll be more fulfilled over there and in, in with another company, and 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 there's a good chance they'll be more fulfilled, and there's a good chance they're going to make a lot more money. You know, yeah, and, because and, the bidding war, and because they're open, you know, they're open for, for debate now. MLW could go after them. Ring of Honor could go after them. You know, uh, you know, all we can. There's three real players that are throwing out real big money around the the, the, the scene now. So that that's an important thing. Like, don't 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 lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the fact that just getting in a bidding war with those three is, is worth, you know, maybe letting go of your 205 live salary or whatever. You know, you know, yeah. It, it, just people can't see the forest from the trees. It's it's the same old shit. All That's another the factor. There's bidding wars going on right now, as opposed to being a 205 live talent that works four matches a month, and you don't make house show money, and you don't make pay-per-view residuals and everything else that we've always been talking about. You don't get in the video game, whatever the case may be. Uh, you see that this is the le- and, and in, in the case of the revival, they're fucking wrestling nerds. They watch Midnight Express tapes in their free time. They want to wrestle and they want to do things that are meaningful and make some money. And uh, you know, to them, that's part of their motivation too. They don't. Yeah. Oh, and, and people buy into like their, and, and that's the thing too. Like they, they, they kind of give into the idea that like, ah, oh, we hate indie wrestling. We only watch like eighties yeah. WWE tag team wrestling bullshit. They, they, they have their finger on the pulse. Like they're, they're, they're playing wrestling. their, they're playing their yeah. characters perfectly. Another, yeah. <laughs> another reminder, Joe. Pro wrestlers are usually playing characters usually that are not the real human beings. So it's usually at work, and they're usually lying to you. So there's a good chance. Like we know that these dudes. Are, are probably in constant discussions with the young bucks. Oh yeah. Whether that, it's like whether they were going to work together at any point, they, they're friends. They're buddies. Like they, they, you know, yeah. Even though they act like they're the big old like the bash, the last bastions of good old wrestling or whatever. Like these dudes are fine. Like, it's the perfect team to play off of the bucks. Exactly. Right. Right. They and, they know that they're the heels of that that era. Yeah. And that storyline's written already, and eventually it's going to happen. Uh, so yeah. So bouncing off of that, we've got topic number two here, which is of similar ilk, also reported by Dave Meltzer in The Observer, who, remember, he was going to take a week or two off? Yeah, that never happened. He just keeps writing fucking newsletters on how the man does it. 60 years old with the energy of a fucking, you know, I I, I don't know. It's just amazing. His poor poor family, man. I always think about that of like, man, the the wife of Dave Meltzer is just kind of like, he gets off a plane in Japan and then records like an hour and a half podcast with Alvarez and then writes The Observer and then watches like, UFC fight past fights. Like, what are you doing? Like, that poor woman. Yeah. So we have uh, Meltzer writing this in The Observer concerning WWE's response to the bidding wars going on. And I quote, after the Bandito situation. <coughs> uh, <Jeez>. they, <laughs> a little bat pack for us there. Yeah, which everyone told us was not a, an actual bidding war. And they could have had him if they wanted him. But. Uh, they, they lost out to Bandito. So anyway, after the Bandito situation, WWE has made it clear, at least for certain people, that they will beat anyone's offer for talent, although they did not do so in the case of Chris Jericho. Uh, end quote. So they lost at least two bidding wars, even though everybody told us that uh, and laughed that off and said that these aren't uh, real bidding wars. But anyway, uh, quote, WWE has told people if you can show on paper an offer from another company, they'll beat it and even double it on the spot. 
provided you sign immediately. End quote. Rich, that's what a do good you deal. Make? That's a hell of a deal. I like that deal a lot, man. Jeez. What do you make of WWE telling people if you have an on-paper offer, we'll not only match it, but if you sign it on the spot, we'll double it. Man, I'm learning how to use Photoshop and making a fake contract. I don't know. Yeah, that's a double on the spot, man. If, if that is true, good God. I mean, that that's a big deal, man. Like, think about that. Because there's a lot of these guys that are going to get floated deals. Like, we know. Like, a guy like an AJ Styles is a guy who, who oh, my God, he's played it so perfect. <laughs> that guy is going to be a millionaire. That he has played this perfect because he knows he's exactly the type of guy that all we would want. He's exactly the type of guy that Ring of Honor would probably pay big money for. And he, I'm sure, probably wants to stick with WWE and probably will stick with WWE. But now he's going to walk in there, waltz into there with one of these all elite contracts and goes, boom, there you go. Because all elite would be stupid not to at least offer him a contract. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, if WWE says no, or if he says, you know, sign up, you know, he maybe says, oh, you know what, this is a good idea. I should do this. But anybody that wants to stick with WWE is going to make so much money because All Elite and Ring of Honor and MLW or whatever, they're going to present these guys' contracts. As I said, there's no reason not to if you're those guys. And then they know, those guys know now if they can waltz into that office and say, hey, here's what I have. What do you guys want to do about it? And they double it. And that's what you really want to do if you're an AJ Styles, if you're whoever. That's a hell of a deal right there. That is a hell of a deal for anybody that's a free agent or coming up. And that's why we have so many people asking for releases and trying to move on. And and, and it's only going to get hairier there, too. But uh, that's it's a bold proclamation. I, I think that probably doesn't apply to everybody. And I think Dave did put that caveat there that, like, not everybody. But, like, the exact guy that that's probably made for is AJ Styles. AJ Styles is going to double his contract. He's going to double anything that he was making immediately just by walking into that contract and, or walking into that office and having an AEW you know, letterhead on him. And, and there's probably a bunch of other guys, too. They're going to make a ton of money doing it. But um, With that yeah. said, Rich, they don't like publicly losing these bidding wars, and they've lost a couple of them now. And the other thing is, uh, and, and Dave noted this as well, they don't like the perception among the talent being that you can leave and become a star somewhere else. The way that Cody and Juice Robinson and Jericho have done. So that may lead to them giving too much money to undercarders and midcarders that don't necessarily deserve it just to keep their own house in order and not and and so it doesn't give the wrong message to the rest of the roster, which is we'll let you walk once your contract's up. So I think they are going to make overbids for certain pieces of undercard talent. Uh, just to, to give the perception of we're still in control of all of this. We can keep everybody if we want to keep everybody. What's going to happen is I think there's still going to be people who um, it's going to reach a point where if you're one of these undercard talents, there's a certain dollar amount where above and beyond that stops meaning anything. In other words, if there's an undercarder who I'll throw a number out there. $200,000 is just the most life-changing amount of money they've ever heard of. They may not be particularly moved by 400000 if it means making 200000 and getting an opportunity to really stretch your legs and become a star, where they may say to themselves, okay, I could take the 400000 but I'm still going to be going nowhere fast and spinning my wheels. I'm going to gamble on myself that this 200000 ends up surpassing the 400000 that they're going to use to keep me just as a pawn in a game. Those are the ones that are going to leave. There will be some that obviously will take the money. But, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it, 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 it's also controlling the narrative is important to Vince McMahon right now. And controlling the idea that it's not going to be a free-for-all. And, no, we're not going to be granting people releases. And, no, we're not just going to let you walk away without at least backing up the Brinks truck and making you really think about it. 
Yeah, which is good. I, again, like we said, this whole thing, anybody that was like, ah, I don't want this thing to happen, like, this is great for pro wrestlers. Like, pro wrestlers in general are going to make more money. The coffers of WWE have now opened for all these guys. And I said, like, even your mojo rallies, your heat slate, like, even the bottom of the roster guys are going to be able to walk into this office and, and, and get upgraded contracts if they want to. So that's, that's great for everybody. So, no, I think it's a, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see now who, who kind of moves on and who does. Like, ultimately, though, it, it, it is going to be, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of those guys, like you said, who are just going to go into that office knowing they're going to get a, a better contract and have no intention of leaving. But but that's exactly, as you said, Vince wants to control that narrative. And that makes all the sense in the world that he would want to do that. He, he doesn't want the idea that, hey, you leave and then become a star elsewhere. Like, that that does not, you know, that doesn't bode well for, you know, the old morale or, or, or whatever. Or, so, just, or just, hey, leave. It's a bad perception-wise when people are leaving your company. Because yeah. it, 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 it's, it's telling the world that there are problems there. Exactly. Right, right, so right. So it's a perception thing too. And and this is great. It's not just great for the wrestlers because they're going to make more money because Johnny Fan doesn't care how much money TJP is making at the end of the day. But it's great for you as a fan too because it's going to put... Look, in the past two weeks, Finn Balor, Andrade, and The Revival are all of a sudden getting pushed. Yeah, Andrade does not get pushed if all he doesn't okay. exist. Yeah, because <laughs> he wasn't getting that. pushed for yes. a year. They're trying to make, you know, and, and, and that might not be the motivation for all of these. But look at the kind of people that they're pushing now. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like, you know, it, it's, they're trying to, and, and that's good for you as a hardcore fan because these are the people you want to see pushed. And they're trying to keep those wrestlers happy who haven't been getting pushed. And they're, and with the size of their roster, they're not going to be able to juggle everyone and push out. You cannot push everyone. So, you know, there's going to be unhappy people and there's going to be ones that, that, that fall through the cracks. It's inevitable. And here's the other thing why it's good for you as a fan. And I know there's a lot of people. Rich, there are adult pro wrestling fans who do not remember how fun jumps are. Jumps are the greatest thing as a wrestling fan. When a wrestler, when Lex Luger shows up on Nitro, it's, it, it's so much fun. When someone jumps from WCW to WWE or jumps from the AWA to the WWF or jumps for here or there, that that period after the territories fell apart and people were jockeying for position right up until the day WCW died and all points in between with ECW and, and everything else, that it was the era of jumps. And I, Rich, I know you remember it because you're old enough. That shit is fun when people just show up in a new place, especially... When it catches you off guard, you don't know it's coming. And there's adult fans who don't remember that. They have no concept of how fun jumps are. And seeing a guy show up in a new place and shock the world and just be remotivated with a new sense of energy and vigor because they're getting a new chance and a new spot. And we don't see Kofi Kingston stay in the same promotion for a decade. This has never happened before. It's unprecedented for Cesaro to be in WWE. Sheamus's world title win was 10 years ago, Rick. <laughs> I know. It was a decade ago. Yeah, I know. There, there was a tweet the other day that kind of spawned this conversation on, uh, on our Slack because there was a, it was, uh, I forgot who tweeted it, but it was like six years ago today, Cesaro versus Kofi Kingston. And I'm watching this gift yeah. going like, nothing is different. These same guys. Like, in the same spot. Doing the same oh my God. That was six years ago. <laughs> period of time that has passed. Between Cesaro winning the world, uh, not Cesaro, between Sheamus winning the whatever version of the world title was in the company at that time and now, is the same period of time that passed between Hulk Hogan pinning the Iron Sheik and then jumping the WCW. Think about that. People don't. Everything is stagnant. Never, people never stuck around. The, the only person who ever stuck around WWF for that long was like Tito Santana. 
Yeah. You could probably think of a couple others. That's not the point. Don't start tweeting at me. The point is, this unprecedented roster stability where they sign with WWE and stay there for a decade is unheard of. And it sucks. Because like Rich just said, they're in the same fucking spot six years later. Yeah, Nothing oh, ever happens in this company. Using the Hulk Hogan analogy there for the six years. So if you do the same six years or whatever, that is the, basically the time period that Hulkamania was like a full, or like Hulk Hogan was a full-time WWE guy. Because if you remember, he was already winding down by 92. He was yes. already looking to move on. it. So like, that's basically, he pins the Iron Sheik up till like the end of 1991. And, you know, 1992, he was really kind of, you know, there but not quite there working on some other stuff they're trying to phase him out like he's doing his fake with like that's that like that's six years of like pinning the iron cheek to basically you know 91 or whatever as he's starting to kind of work his way you know out of the cart or whatever so like the peak of hulkamania was the entire run of like this like gift that i saw with cesaro doing a giant swing to kofi kingston like oh my Rich, god <laughs> think how different 1984 wwf felt from 1994 WWF. Right. 84 94. That 10 year span from Hogan being pinning Iron Sheik to Hogan jumping to WCW and having the parade at Disney and all that. Think how different wrestling was in that from the beginning and end of that 10 year span. Now think about when Sheamus won his dopey world title and think about today. It's exactly the same. Nothing is different in that company. The TV is the same. The structure is the same. The promos are the same. The matches are the same. Every wrestler is the, the same. The camera shots. The camera shots Every are the same. Yeah. The same. You needed this shakeup to kick them in the ass and have them change things. And it's a great thing for you as a fan. It's not just about putting money in, in, in fucking Dash Wilder's pocket. Okay? It's about improving the experience for you as a fan too. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy uh, that we there's still resistance to that. Topic number three, as we finish bouncing around Titan Rich, an example of things possibly changing. WWE has re-embraced the TNA. Tess and Albert. That's 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 a hell of a story there. Especially well, if you get Tess there. Test is dead. Oh. <laughs> and Albert is Lord Tentai. Know, yeah enjoying his health insurance as a full-time employee down at the performance center and uh trish stratus uh probably doesn't want back in yeah that was the trish stratus cowboy hat long coat era mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. very hot era for trish stratus i gotta say oh I'm see really, I, i'm not a fan of the cow I'm, i wasn't a fan of that era you know i, uh, I was just trish, gonna say yeah. i'm not a fan of the cowgirl thing but i love the long coat okay long, i get into the long coat um but anyway when we say tna we're talking about tits and ass my friend and uh, two separate segments this week on Raw and SmackDown. Alexa Bliss was walked in on when she was changing. And then she had, uh, you know, Creepy Otis saying, Pretty lady, pretty lady to her. <laughs> All set. Uh, and then on SmackDown the next How day. How embarrassed was Paul Heyman to be involved in that segment, by the way? Did you Paul see Heyman wanted the utter? <laughs> he was just like, fuck this. Yeah. Brock, go to UFC, please. <laughs> I mean, if Paul Heyman was Otis, he'd be Sal Balomo in 1994 ECW, uh, you know, losing prelims and tossing toys to people in the crowd. But we have uh, Mandy Rose here the next night. (laughs) Can we we please break down the segment, Joe? Yeah, I'll break it down for you. Okay. Mandy Rose was trying to fuck either Jimmy or It was Jimmy. It was definitely Jimmy. Jimmy's the one one with Naomi, so. Married Naomi. Okay, so you're telling me it's Jimmy. I could confirm it was Jimmy Uso, yes. Okay, so she's trying to fuck Jimmy Uso because she wants to, like, 
get some kind of revenge on Naomi for some hokey storyline that's going on or whatever. So they're in a hotel room, and she's coming on to Jimmy Uso, and she's scantily clad. Yes. <laughs> She's not, though. She wears less in the ring. Exactly. And, and the thing, too, is we're going to talk about it in a bit. Like, this is doing numbers. Like, this is doing incredible YouTube numbers. Like, yeah. which I, I just want is anybody that's watching this that was really excited about watching the YouTube video of Mandy Rose wearing a little bit of lace, go to Instagram, get on your phone, download Instagram, and follow Mandy Rose. There you go. I have much more Mandy Rose than you, will, you have ever seen on SmackDown right there on a daily basis for you. So if you really, like, this has really got your jets going, you're like, oh, man, here we go. Tits and ass again. Like, just follow her on Instagram. That's all I'm going to say. If you're really into this Mandy Rose thing, like, this should not be the thing that gets you all. Like, there's plenty of other opportunities to see Mandy Rose wearing far less than this. But still, it, it works. It did numbers, man. They, it it's did exactly numbers. What they wanted. Okay, Rich, yeah. Rich, it's like I've always said. If I, if I want to look at hot women, wrestling is not where I've ever turned. I will just go to fucking Pornhub and watch hotter women than Mandy Rose sit on people's faces. I mean, why am I watching wrestling to see hot women when I have any kind of depraved porn at my fucking fingertips? It never has made sense to me, but it is what it is. So, you know, she's trying to to bang Jimmy Uso in the hotel room or trap him into something. A paparazzi man pops out of the bathroom with a flashbulb camera from the 1930s. It wasn't. I wanted to. I wanted to address this because I heard you talk about this on the TV reviews. It was. It was just a normal camera with a big flash. Will you go with the bit? Okay. Will okay. You okay. Just... Yeah, got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's so a she, flash he camera. pulled. He pulled down the, the string and it went. Yeah. <laughs> blinded us. Yeah. Okay. You're here. He's got a little hat that says press in it. So yes. He's, like, he's smoking a cigar and he gets back on his typewriter afterwards. Ah, hey, I got a hot scoop. That's right. <laughs> for the day. There's for the so... afternoon, he's gonna. Set it out for the afternoon release. <laughs> Flash bulbs going off, smoke coming out. So the paparazzi man then scurries off. He's all hunched over when he comes out of the bathroom. No, Joe, I, I need. I, hold on, I need to break this down. So the idea here is, is that this paparazzi man has now evidence of a yes. scandally clad Manny Rose and, and Jimmy Uso in the same hotel room together. Mind you, there was a camera outside the door as Jimmy swiped in with his card. There was a cameraman that was in the hotel room shooting Jimmy when he walked in. There was a cameraman shooting Mandy when she was sitting in the chair, which, by the way, was the fuck chair. I don't know if you noticed that, Joe. Call that. The hotel fuck chair. That's a a throwback from a few years ago. The one that my mom still brings up. Anytime we walk into a hotel room with my parents, she goes, ah, yeah, remember that's the chair Joe talked about, the fuck chair. I'm like, oh, God. I have to hear my mom talk about you talking about fucking people in a hotel room chair. Like, how imagine... Imagine how the, the colors of red I turn, having to Rich. sit there and hear my mom describe you describing fucking women in the hotel chair. First of all, that's a delightful story, <laughs> and I love the fact that your mom brings that up. Every time, and I'm like, oh, God, I know it. Like, I hate opening hotel rooms. Oh, here, one of those chairs. That's the one that Joe talked about, fucking girls. And I'm like, oh, chair. And, <laughs> First of all, that's awesome that your mom brings that up. But second of all, don't think for one second your mom hasn't gotten it on in the fuck chair. Because everybody fucks in the fuck chair, even moms. But you make it do. <laughs> well, that's it for the show. We're done here. But no, so Mandy's in the fuck chair, which is a good spot to be because you know that's a good spot when you want to fuck Jimmy. So you, 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 you stay in the fuck chair. So, uh, so the idea is that 
<laughs> this paparazzi guy got the evidence, got the hot scoop, yeah. got the pick, and Jimmy's even like, "Oh, is that what we're doing here?" Like, "Oh, you got like, like yeah. Jimmy." <laughs> there's four camera people, yeah. and this is airing live to millions of people <laughs> on a TV show. Like, but he's so upset. He's stupid. so upset. He's about this photographer getting evidence. Oh, now there's evidence of you and me in this room. No, Jimmy. <laughs> he's afraid his wife's gonna divorce him. Despite the fact that Mandy Rose has just told a national television audience, I'm trying to trap you, Jimmy Uso. All he has to do is go home and hit play on the DVR and show his wife what, what Mandy was up to. It's absurd. God. Why do people watch this? I don't know. And Why the do people thing, watch this? You know, the Alexa thing, too, is also like... I mean, when we talk about, like, gratuitous, like, sex, like, there, there's, I mean, obviously, there's so many more examples in the, in the Attitude Era, and this was tamed by those standards, but this had zero purpose other than Alexa Bliss might show her boobs. That is the, this guy, this geek, this random dude, bro, knocks on the door, oh, Alexa, I got your, your latte. Why is the cameraman following this guy in the first place? Whatever. He knocks on the door, like, numerous times. Yes. Like, Alexa should have been more than prepared for this man yes. to walk in. And he goes, oh, no answer. All right, I'll just barge in or whatever. And then you see Alexa's bare back. She turns around. Oh, my God. Ah, oh, salacious. Oh, my gosh. Bare back? <laughs> That's like, it's doing such incredible numbers on YouTube, Joe. That segment, the Alexa Bliss segment, has 5.6 million views on YouTube. The main event of that, that Raw, the Cena, Balor, McIntyre, Corbin, has 1.5 million views. This has 5.6 million million views alexa bliss almost kind of maybe showing her boobs because she had her bare back she was covering it but so that's ex- rich. they wanted that though they wanted 5.6 sorry yes, just uh, real quickly the uh the manny rose the salacious yeah. manny rose lingerie uh 2.3 million views on youtube the next closest was smackdown the miz and sheamus at nine nine fifty nine and almas the greatest match of all time four hundred thirty three thousand. 2.3 million for, for Manny Rose uh, wearing... More than she wears in the ring. More than what she wears every day on Instagram, I'm telling you. Mandy like, Rose covered <laughs> more than she is in the ring. Right. So, Rich, you, you kind of buried the lead. My question to you was going to be, why is WWE resorting and going back to TNA and, and working up the wokes? Because if there's one thing I like about all this, I don't care about Alexa Bliss's bareback. I don't care about Mandy Rose in lingerie and a sexy robe. I couldn't care less. If they were naked, I probably couldn't care less. I don't, you know, that doesn't do anything for me. But I love the fact that it's stirring up the wokes. I love the fact that we're getting think pieces and everybody's fired up about it. Because anything that stirs up the wokes is cool with me. But Rich, you just kind of buried the answer already because you gave sorry, it. But, sorry. But no, that's okay. But this is an exact Rich. Is this a reaction to the declining ratings and interest in their television? I think we know the answer. God, it's yes. But of go course. Ahead. Yes, of course it is. Vince McMahon is going to his, his playbook. And, and his playbook in 1999 got exploded. And, and there's only one. There's only a few plays left in that playbook. And, and, and yeah. TNA and tits and ass is one of them. So here we are. And, and like the idea. And, and, and like you mentioned, like a lot of people are getting upset about it. You got these think pieces about them portraying it. And this women's evolution and all that sort of stuff. And, and, like, I just have to kind of sit back and laugh and, and, and say, like, did you really, truly believe that this company gave a flying fuck about women empowerment? <laughs> like, like, where were you? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you, you're, you bought into it. You bought hook, line, and sinker into all the bullshit of Stephanie McMahon standing in their fucking ring in her giant heels and a bunch of the women hugging and crying. Like, it was never that. That was always... It, they were always going to go back to this playbook when they needed to go back to it. It was always going to be the thing. This is what this company thinks of women. 
ultimately. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there, and they've done a lot of good stuff here, and this Women's Evolution's been fun and all that sort of stuff, but but deep down, we knew that it was all just, yeah, it was just the flavor of the month for, for that time. It was just, in, in a lot of ways, the Evolution is a reaction to Crown Jewel. You know, it, it was, oh, oh, well, shit, fuck, we're doing a show. Evolution it, was a direct yeah. deflection of Crown Jewel. We can say it. Yeah. The only reason that show existed was a direct deflection from Crown Jewel. Absolutely. So, I, so I'm not going to like say that you can't be upset by this stuff, but I'm going to tell you that you should have seen this coming. Like this, yes. this is not a surprise to the people that are not surprised. Like that's why we're kind of coming out here laughing about it and going, "Oh, geez, what the hell?" Like because we knew it. Like we knew that this was what they ultimately were going to eventually probably do, or what they ultimately feel that that women are, or whatever. And like you can look at it, and yeah, there's women empowerment and all sort of stuff or whatnot, but they're still only pushing like really attractive women. You know what I mean? Like ultimately, yeah. there's not really like it, it, it's not like they've changed their, their stance on, on on it. They're just they're letting the women wrestle a little bit or they're treating the women like human beings or whatever and that's good that's great that that's that's more than they did for a decade or two decades or whatever treating women like human beings is, is, is a step in the right direction but they can also know that they can go right back to it and, and gratuitous sex sells and it sells for them and it's always has sold for them so here we are again and, and we're right back to it so I, I i'm not telling you you can't be upset by it i'm just going to tell you that you should have seen this coming and i feel bad that, that you may be bought into the hype and bought into all they said but ultimately it's, it's all about the money and and, and I don't, yeah i don't feel bad wrestling is a trashy business run by trashy people and it's trashy entertainment and i don't even mean that as totally being a put down it's 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 tr- there's and you and i don't need this i don't get as you said you you, 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 start, you started this segment by saying you weren't like oh boy here we go get the you know get the towels ready Mandy rose has got lace on like yeah, let's do it for like, seven care. years i've been saying it we started this show at the end of the fucking diva era where they were still doing pillow fights and what did we say every time we don't care about this we don't want this give us wrestlers so yeah we're the ones who who don't want this either but the fact of the matter is this is trash entertainment and i'm not even using that as i'm kind of using that as the same way that people call um uh, uh like hardcore wrestling garbage wrestling trash entertainment pro wrestling jerry springer fucking uh w- whatever the case may be any other example you come up with, there's a place for that in entertainment there's a place for trash entertainment and that's what wrestling has been and will always be no matter how much bull corporate bullshit they try to paint over it pro wrestling is mindless trash entertainment and it's never going to be and you are just climbing uphill on an icy fucking peak if you think that it's ever going to be something else and that's why rich said what he's he's like you 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 have this is is what it is and and you can't come at this from some ultra woke perspective coming off crown jewel and everything don't do that you're a hypocrite yeah i know hashtag ny64 there you go like you know what i mean like this is this and and like i feel bad if if, you know in some respect because like if you really bought into it and really thought that this was this and i get it maybe you're kind of new to the the wrestling business or whatever and you think that you you want more and you expect more and you want them to quote do better hashtag do better whatever but they're not going to they're they're, it's trash so it's like you know I, i it sucks in a lot of ways, and I don't need it. I don't want it, but they do, and they obviously feel like it's going to do rating for them. And and let's let's be honest, these did insane YouTube numbers. You think that tomorrow Vince McMahon's going to sit in an office and go, "Well, no more of that stuff." Like God, that that I'm embarrassed that we did that. He's going to look at those YouTube numbers. He's going to look at the ratings and go, "Ah, more of that." Like you're going to yep. get more of this. So like, you're yeah, you're getting more of it. And and, and like, I, I can understand if you you really are are, are are let down by it, but like you. 
just know that in the future that that, that this is what they're going to be like they're they're they're, they're going to sell corporate and speak to you and and stuff he's going to stand in the ring and talk about you know the this historic moment everyone's going to hug and cry or whatnot at the end of the day they, they don't give a shit they care about the, the, their stockholders and the bottom line or whatever and and, and that's what it's always going to be yeah and scrambling to get their ratings back up before they go to networks where that shit's going to start to matter more and they have to produce and there's competition out there now and it's fucking goat time for them and uh this is a direct response to the fact that less and less people are watching their shitty television that's exactly what this is it's reverting back to what they know works and uh the proof is right there you know millions of views on youtube it it works and they know it works and that is uh that is bouncing around titan all right, so we got about a half an hour here. A few more topics we wanted to get to. Roosh uh, signing with Ring of Honor here. This came from the uh, the Observer as well. Roosh, uh, 30 years old, signed with Ring of Honor, exclusive one-year U.S. Ontario market contract. I like the Ontario market contract yeah. part of that as well. Uh, the deal is believed to be for approximately 155000 per year and is added to Munoz, which is Roosh's real name. I like that sometimes Dave will go back to, like, because old Observers are the best, where it's like, wrestler, mm-hmm. parentheses, real name. And it's like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Dave, but he loved it. He's like junkyard dog, you know, Lawrence Ritter or whatever. Well, I forget his name. <laughs> he like, he'd be breaking down paper and it would be like junkyard dog parentheses Sylvester Ritter. Sylvester, defeat. that was it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, who cares? Like, uh, he would always put the name. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. <laughs> junkyard dog is always the one I remember too because I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Ter- Hulk Hogan parentheses terrible lay. It's like, who cares? Oh, it would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's added to Munoz's five year deal with CML, which runs to the end of 2020. Uh, the contract takes Roosh out of MLW's attempt at the biggest match of its run uh, on the 4-4 show in New York at the Merrill's Ballroom that was built around Roosh and L.A. Park. That's was, was scheduled for WrestleMania weekend. That's not happening. Um, so this is a big deal here because Roosh, uh, and you mentioned a little bit on your uh, the, the the update you did on the uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash voice wrestling, yeah. we should say, uh, that uh, Roosh, you know, who was believed to have some sort of agreement with MLW, just kind of walks over and, and, and signs an exclusive deal with Ring of Honor. He's still going to be able to do CMLL. He's still going to be able to do some Friday stuff. But uh, I thought the more interesting part about this, because I think you touched on a lot of the, the, the inner workings of Roosh going to Ring of Honor, but I thought the most interesting part about this uh, came in the Observer this week with, with, with Dave Meltzer, where he said, uh, and this is the exact quote here, he said, the MLW offer included them agreeing to a number of deal points uh, Roosh had asked for, including using his two brothers, Dragon Lee and Mystico, uh, which Bauer, Court Bauer, of course, of MLW, would have wanted to push anyway. And that's not like a real big concession. Hey, can you book Dragon Lee and Mystico? Like, sure, yeah, no problem, man. Like, we'll you're do that. Twist, you're going to have to twist my arm on Yeah, that. oh, Dragon Lee? Oh, I don't know. Fuck, <laughs> like, what am I going to do with Dragon Lee? Yeah, right. So, Shit. Not really a big concession there, but okay. Uh, and some involvement of his uh, his father um, is a Bastia del Ring, uh, although perhaps uh, not in the ring. So obviously him doing some sort of something, something with his dad, whether he be a in-ring guy or a guy that just walks out to the ring with he them, whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't wrestle much anymore anyway, but he would basically, I'll give your dad a job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, part of the deal was just not getting him to a new. Uh, you were uh, w- w- also part of the deal was not just getting him a new working U.S. visa. He had a visa that just expired, uh, which Ring of Honor is now working on doing. That they should probably get that done quickly, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, but also getting his wife and children U.S. citizenship, and they would move to the U.S. Um, so that's a pretty large concession there too, of like guaranteeing citizenship in in this climate. That's uh, bold, but okay. Um, uh, and then another aspect of this deal was that BN Sports would use Roosh as an analyst for their Mexican soccer coverage in Spanish so he could break into sports broadcasting. I like that. 
That's okay, so, session there. <laughs> so all of these things, I'll get your brother's jobs, I'll give your father a job, I'll get you citizenship, I'll give your wife citizenship, I'll give your kids citizenship, and we'll give you a job breaking down soccer games on the network that we air on. MLW came strong. The problem is, if, if as I detailed on my report uh, behind the paywall on Wednesday, MLW is just way behind these other companies in terms of the money they can offer. They came strong with all this peripheral stuff, but what it came down to for Roosh was a six-figure, $155,000 per year deal from Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor's tossing around six-figure deals because they have to, because All Elite is their competition right now. Um, So he got got a six-figure deal, and he gets to keep working CMLL, and... And a big thing for him, which Meltzer didn't report, but that we heard from our own sources close to Roosh, was that what, what the other thing that enticed him was the Ring of Honor CMLL New Japan RevPro connection. Yeah. And he gets to work New Japan this year as well because he wants to make that extra New Japan money too. So when you had all those factors, look, MLW came strong as fuck. You can't, look, they threw the, everything and the kitchen sink at this man, but he weighed his options. And because we're in an era where there's legitimate bidding wars, once again, we saw another one play out right here. Ring of Honor versus MLW. Ring of Honor wins. This is so exciting, and I love all of it. I don't care who wins these bidding wars. I don't care where talent goes. I just like seeing it playing out because it's just so interesting to me. And and it's interesting seeing the decisions that this talent makes. As far as Roosh goes, Rich, I have no use for this man as a fan. I'm waiting for this guy to crack three and a quarter ever. He does nothing for me. With that said, I recognize that he's an enormous star. And this is a huge, huge get for Ring of Honor. Whether Joe Lanza likes his matches or not, that means nothing. This dude is a huge star. This is a huge get for Ring of Honor. And this was a guy that MLW was going to build around as their top guy. Yeah, yeah. A, a proven draw, a guy that I was there live, you know, when, when they drew, I think, what uh, is still their biggest house ever in Chicago. Yeah. And he was a fucking star on that night, man. Everybody was there to see him. Like, even L.A. Park came out. Even, I've heard all this stuff about L.A. Park and, oh, my God, he's drawing all this sort of stuff. L.A. Park came out. People were, you know, polite clap. Roosh came out. He was like, God to those people yeah. a fucking god to them like that was incredible seeing that and that's when i finally got it with roosh i'm like okay look he's not for me but he's for all these people here there's a thousand people here that came exactly for one purpose and that's to see roosh in the ring there and yeah he doesn't you know like the like the world on fire in the ring all that often like he's a guy that that, that i think you know leaves a little bit desired but um no there's undeniable you know the power that he has and, and and an interesting aspect about that too is we talked about mlw really cornering the you know the latino market and the lucha libre in america market or whatever we're to see Ring of Honor come strong too with the Bandito and and and, and Roosh and, and Roosh again is a huge get because he's familiar with the, the CML audience and people that just watch Lucha Libre like that. So yeah, if he comes into Ring of Honor and they do some good stuff with him, and you could get a lot of that audience too. So this is a real smart, real smart signing by Ring of Honor. And they're they're a company that we and we're going to do it here in a sec. We we spent years laughing about their talent acquisition, saying you guys are dumb as fuck. You're not getting it. You're just you you don't have your finger on the pulse anymore. This is a finger on the pulse move here of, of shelling out the money for Roosh. Yeah. Uh, Bandito's a guy again who another guy that doesn't really do much for me i know you you're you're famously historically not a bandito guy at all but like there's no denying he's 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 a star to a lot of people and he's one of the hottest names on the indies right now and they got both of those dudes that's huge that's a huge gift for them yeah i mean to me bandito is the most overrated wrestler in the world right now i mean people rave about this guy and they think he's a mega star and i i just don't fucking see it i see a guy who does a lot of creative things but i don't see star on him at all i just don't see him becoming 
this transcendent star. I think PWG is just an isolated thing where it's a particular fan base and they've done a great job pushing them. I can't see Bandito becoming a top guy in Ring of Honor. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, and I hope he does. Um, but but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's uh, this is a huge win for Ring of Honor. You know that Dragon Lee, you know his brothers are going to follow. Oh, I yeah, mean, that's, that'd be great. I mean, again, like you're not really uh, like, oh, Dragon Lee, <laughs> oh, no, what do we do? Or, oh, Mystico, uh, I guess we'll find something for him. Yeah, so again, Ring of Honor's kind of found that market. You know, MLW had, had, had sort of been the first American company to really say, hey, we're going to push the hell out of these Lucha guys because they're kind of the undeveloped market. The, you know, the market and efficiency right now is, is Lucha guys, and we're seeing a Ring of Honor come at it too, so that's cool. Yeah, and if you want to know what's going on with Lucha Bros uh, behind the paywall, that's all part of that Wednesday update where we talk about Roosh, I talk about uh, the Lucha Bro situation from, you know, multiple sources uh, to let you know what's going on with them and where they might land. And then, of course, all the details on the MLW uh, contracts, the stuff we talked about last week, where we got great information from all sides concerning the MLW contracts. We're not going to get to it on this show because we're running a little long, but if you want all the details on that, uh, it's the Wednesday update behind the paywall. What we want to do now before we finish up is run through the Ring of Honor roster here. Rich, so they lose the Elite, and they lose SCU. So we're minus Cody, minus the Bucks, minus Page, and minus the three SCU guys. Those are really the losses from the Ring of Honor roster. Here are the names, uh, I'm going to run this down, of, of really the additions now to the Ring of Honor roster that are guys that are either signed the contracts or are going to be used a lot moving forward through, you know, via the New Japan connection or whatnot. So uh, we've got, like you talked about already, Bandito. We've got Brody King. We have uh, David Finley who is now part of a faction. And this is a guy who never works indies. Uh, but he's going to be part of Ring of Honor moving forward. Um, we have, as I'm scrolling down the list, um, Juice Robinson is a guy you're going to see in Ring of that's Honor. A huge, that's a huge get, too. I, people are kind of underrating that. That's a huge get. And he's a guy that's really improved a ton uh, in New Japan. And and, and that's... I, 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 I you know, when, when I saw the taping results and I, I try to kind of stay somewhat spoiler free because I, I want to kind of keep up on Ring of Honor TV now that they've sort of changed uh, directions a little bit here. And, and, and Juice getting in there and being more regular with that roster is a great get for him. He's one of the best baby faces in the world right now and, and, and a pretty good wrestler, too. So that's another good get for them. Real good. Mark Haskins signed to a deal. Nick Aldis through the NWA connection. PCO signed to a deal. PJ Black uh, being used a lot more. We already talked about uh, Roosh. Uh, coming in as well. And then I think that's, oh, and of course, you know, uh, a lot of people expect that Will Ospreay will be working more. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Williams is one as well. Tracy oh, okay. Yeah, Tracy Williams, of course. Yeah. Zach Sabre Jr. Uh, worked the tapings as well. So here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. That's all the new talent that they're bringing in, either on contract or through New Japan or, or on a date-by-date deal that are working regularly. Okay. The thing about Ring of Honor is they were rightfully bashed on this show and other places for being lazy and just signing lousy tryout talent and things of that nature. But when they had their backs against the wall and when they were pushed and when they were forced to react, Rich, they've done a nice job here. Yeah, they really have. This is an eclectic group of talent. Uh, there's some star power. There's some guys with some long-term potential. There's some guys like PCO who have short-term buzz. You get Bandito and uh, whoever one thinks is the next breakout star, no matter whether I agree or not. You've got Rushu as a worldwide star. You've got the New Japan guys coming in for the dates. Who nor- Guys like Juice Robinson and David Finley, 
do not work indies. And they haven't worked indies. But, you know, Ring of Honor got something done and got these guys to get off their ass between tours and work yeah. for them. Oh, and, and I think another thing, too, is, you know, when they were bringing New Japan talent, it was usually just like, Okada's coming to, like, World of the Worlds. Yes. Here you go. You know, come buy tickets to us or whatever. But, like, Juice is in, like, big-time storylines. You know what I mean? Like, immediately, he's, like, the yeah. leader of a new stable. So it's not like they're just bringing, you know, Kushida in to, you know, do, you know, four shows in this tour and then leave immediately. Like, they're they're using these guys. Like, David Finley and, and, and Juice are are doing real things. So that 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 I like, too, is that, like, they, they, we knew it. We knew, you know, we, I, I was kind of dubious on them actually being able to do it or if they were just so lulled into the, the, the false sense of security that once these guys le- left, they would have no idea what to do next. And, and I think you maybe were a little bit more positive on that, but we both agreed that they just needed a kick in the ass. Like we were so yes. glad when they left because we knew that this ring of honor could rise up from the ashes, that they were just being complacent. And, and I don't blame them for being complacent because they didn't have to do much to sell a fucking shit ton of tickets to all their shows. They said, hey, uh, now Hiroshi Tanahashi and Goody and the Bucks are going to be here. Buy tickets. And then people bought tickets. You know what I mean? Cutting Omega's going to be here. People bought tickets. So they they were able to be complacent, but I, I'll give it to them. I They have shocked me with how aggressive they've been in these deals. If nothing else, there's effort. Yeah, to, to bring in new faces and shake it up. The taping shake things up. <laughs> Actions are doing. We'll see how it works out. From a business perspective, I don't know if it'll work out. You're trying to replace a lot of star power, mm-hmm. and they haven't replaced. I don't. I, you know, Roosh is the big score, but I don't think they've replaced the star power of the Bucks and Cody, and, and I don't think they've succeeded in doing that um, necessarily. But now it's a matter of, okay, you've got all these new faces in. You're bringing in some name value talent. Let's get them over. So we'll see how they do. We'll see how business does. I watched Honor Reigns Supreme, which was uh, their uh, – they're not An Honor Club. Yeah, it was yeah. an Honor Club special. An Honor which, Club. Yeah, not quite a pay-per-view uh, special, I guess. Yeah. Now, it didn't blow me away. There was one match that I thought was fucking awesome, which is well worth seeking out, which was the Briscoes and the Silas Young against – uh, uh, villain, uh, what's he calling his group? Uh, villain Enterprises? Marty I think Scott. so, yeah, 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 Villain no, Enterprises. Yeah, six-man match, awesome match. PCO just doing mental things. He's not going to last the year if he does the things that he did in this match. Uh, he took two disgusting apron bumps. One uh, the brisco, one Briscoe threw him off the top rope, and he took a flat-back bump on the apron. And then he took a Canadian Destroyer from Silas Young on the apron, <laughs> where they basically missed the apron and landed on the floor. Uh. Fucking crazy, uh, but a great match. Wild action. Look, it wasn't a great show. It had that one, you know, the the Dalton Castle Jay Lethal match was okay, but it felt fresh. Mark Haskins comes out. You know what I mean? And it, you know, you don't see him every day in Ring of Honor. You see this wild six man. You see Cheeseburger with his dopey little prelim uh, faction that he's got going on with Eli Isom, and uh, who's a guy who I think does have upside. And uh, Ryan Nova is also part of that group. And it just felt like I understand that the elite were big stars. We all understand that. But it's like a cloud is lifted off to promotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's room for other people to grow into it. You know, there was a PJ Black versus Bandito match, which was a fucking mess because they were not on the same page. And I can't say, look, I, look I'm not going to sit here and make this the, the beat up Bandito hour. I just, you know, I, I don't know. The guy just never, he just doesn't impress me. And I just, that's forget that. It's just I don't think he's the star that people think that he. I, what what makes Bandito that much more special than like Ray Horus? I'm failing to see it. Yeah. He's a little more creative in the ring, and I enjoy watching his matches. Cooler mask, I think, is, is what does it. So. He doesn't jump off the page as a superstar to me. 
And I get that he's over in PWG. I don't think that's going to translate other places. And then he comes out here and it's just a terrible match for PJ Black. Now, look, I know that there was probably, it seemed like there were communication issues. They had a bad match. It happens. You know what I mean? But definitely not the kind of performance that's going to vault him to the top of the card. Let's just put it that way. And and honestly, Dragon Gate, he never jumped off the page for me. No, no. I saw a lot of his Dragon Gate stuff. I haven't seen much of his, uh, uh, or uh, enough of his PWG stuff to have a, a real good opinion on it. But no, I know for a fact that I've seen a lot of his, uh, uh, it's Dragon Gate stuff, and it's like fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like dozen lucha guys right now who I think are just as good as him. I really don't understand the fascination with Bandito. Uh, I I just don't get it. Like those Triple A kids, I think obviously they're not as polished, but they're more dynamic than he is. Like El Hijo Vikingo and all those dudes, and you know the street kids that Triple A signed. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I mean they're more dynamic than him, even if they're not necessarily as polished and. Um, I, I don't know, but I, again, I don't want to make this the beat up bandito hour. It could just be a Joe Lanza problem, but he just, you know, I don't, I don't seem as a huge, but, a, but I still consider it a huge get. The point is the card felt real fresh, even if it wasn't the greatest card in the world and not one that I can necessarily recommend outside of one match. Um, yeah, no. And, and that's like real, real quickly, you know, there was, cause there was that time. Remember one, a few years ago when like the Indies were on there, you know, the, the rise of like the super indie when there was like Zack Sabre Jr. and Chris Hero and all these guys and Ricochet and it was just like you know and people were cr- criticizing a bunch of companies for just kind of booking the same results and like AEW was one in Chicago but PWG was kind of running the same thing and there was a lot of companies that were just kind of running the same shows with the same guys all the time well you know I remember talking to an indie promoter around that time and he was kind of like well I mean what do you expect us to do when Chris Hero and Zack Sabre Jr. and Ricochet and we're selling tickets left and right like of course we're going to do that but but these companies you know I, I think people people forget that these a lot of these companies have the capacity to do better and 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 when they're not allowed to be complacent and when they have that kick in the ass like they can really do some good stuff here and i'm i'm really impressed by what ring of honor's done here i i probably didn't give them enough credit i thought they would just kind of rest on their laurels and then i don't know what the hell the next step was going to be uh once those guys left but i'll give it to them man they're, they're, they've been aggressive about it they're trying to find new markets uh they're trying to find new strategies and whatnot and we'll see like the booking ultimately will come down to a lot of the booking and and the same guy's in charge, and I've had a lot of criticisms about Delirious and, and the way he's he's booked over the last few years. But we'll see. I'm, I'm going to give him a fresh chance. I'm going to give Ring of Honor a fresh chance uh, now, too, because they've they've earned that. They, they've deserved that right now. So uh, we'll, we'll see kind of what the next step is there. But um, I still think business takes a dip. Um, I, I, look, and I won't hold that against them either if it does. If it really craters, though, you know, it, it, this is a critical first six months. You have to at least put a finger in the dike or stop the bleeding because I do think business is naturally going to take a dip without those because I do think they were the price. And maybe I will be proven wrong. And you know, I tried to look at a, attendance comparisons in the building they just ran for Honor Reign Supreme. I had trouble finding it. There were a ton of empty seats upstairs in that building. But that doesn't mean anything without knowing what they did the last time they were there. And I couldn't find that. But the, you know, the bottom was filled and up top, there was just no one there. Um, but I don't know if that's indicative of anything. So when they start going to buildings that they run regularly and we'll, we can compare to last year, we'll see. But I would expect a dip early on. I, I would because, you know, it, it's, you know, people elite have very loyal fans and, and I don't know if Ring of Honor is going to retain them all. Yeah. But I give them credit. They really are putting a ton of effort because they were backed against the wall, there's you, you can clearly see that they're trying, and 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 it does feel like the company has a fresh coat of paint, and it feels way more interesting right now than it has in a long time. 
But please get the fucking title off Jay Lethal. Please. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sure. It's such a bummer looking at these shows, and then it's I like, know. oh, well, what's the main event? Oh, it's Jay Lethal. Durn. His music just lets you know it's going to be boring as fuck, too. You know what I mean? Like, I wish you just... But you hear that, like, and you're just like, oh, yeah. God, here we go. <laughs> here we I go. mean, fuck, man. Just put it on Skrull. You know, you've got him until November. Yeah, or- just fucking make him a megastar. Yeah, use him, a, make him a fucking megastar for the next... And he's got enough of that the elite cachet, too, that, that, that'll work pretty well. If you've got him for seven months or whatever, however long you have him, do that long of an arc with him as champion. Right. Put the title on him. Like you said, he's the last remnant of the elite. He's probably your biggest star. Put the title on him and go. And then who knows? He's probably going to leave. Oh, yeah. I'm you know, sure he maybe, will. But maybe if he's the champion and he's happy and you make him a good offer, it's, it's, you get to fucking take a shot in the dark. And maybe he does stick around. But at any rate, while you have him, Milk that fucking cow for everything you can get out of it. I don't understand. He should be champion tomorrow. He should beat Jay Lethal the next available opportunity, and you should main event him and fucking burn him the fuck out. What's the difference? He's leaving. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, no, that and that's the thing. Like I always love when people bring, oh, they only have him for seven months. Well, great. Then do seven months of him being a fucking yes. monster, and have then the second, and, and then, then the, the and the when he leaves, the next guy that beats him is going to be that much better for it. So yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. Booking one on one, people. And burn, burn him out in main events on every fucking show. Cause it doesn't matter because he's leaving anyway. You don't have to come back a second time. And then I don't care who you pick at the. You want to pick Bandito to beat him in the end? Fine. You want to pick yeah, Flip Gordon? Whatever. Who fucking cares? Flip <laughs> yeah. Gordon, Bandito. Who, I don't give a shit who it is. But have a plan and have him run through everyone and build up a big match against whoever it is you're picking as the next guy. And then they're then they're beating a megastar on the way out. And then that guy gets the rub from being the guy who beat Marty Skrull. But he's your biggest star. I mean, that's what I would do. Okay, and it sounds like you kind of agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Because I don't know what you're getting out of a Jay Lethal title run right now. Uh, the same it's shit you got for that. four years or whatever. It feels like he's had that title. I know he hasn't had it, but it feels like yeah, he's had that title since like 2012. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do a big Nair done that guy, I'd rather do Jay Briscoe. Yeah, right, exactly. At least the matches will be better. But, um, but you know, it's, it's, I, would just, I would run with Skrull until he leaves. And then that gives you time underneath to see who emerges and gets over. Maybe Roosh won't work out in America. No one knows for sure. But if, but you know, maybe he, you think he's the next guy, then start building him underneath and keep Skrull away from him until they have that title match. So. All right. I think that is just about it for this week. We had uh, mentioned that we were going to take a peek at the uh, WrestleMania weekend schedule. We don't have to do that right now. We have plenty of time to do that. So and there might be some new announcements going on. But uh, it's a packed Man, a Thursday is fucking packed uh, this year, but we'll get to we'll get to that a little bit. Uh, of course, we got until April third uh, until the first show start on Wednesday, April third. So plenty of time to do that. So uh, yeah, we kind of ran out of time this week, but that's uh, good. So there were some good discussions there uh, about that. You mentioned a little bit more if you're more interested in contract season and wheeling and dealing and jumps and contract concessions and what the word contract really means. Uh, the Wednesday news update, uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. You definitely want to check that out. Uh, if you're interested in hearing my wife and I call wrestling matches, the house call is up there on uh, voicewrestling.com uh, slash Patreon as well. I do want to mention everything else on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, including uh, Everything Elite. The uh, rebranded Everything Evolves has, has emerged as Everything Elite. Uh, now your official All Elite Wrestling 
Wrestling uh, Podcast here uh, on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. So good stuff there. A lot of other good stuff going on as well on the network. We're also on Mikase, Brit Rest Roundtable is doing some good stuff. I know Open the Voice Gates got some uh, some great stuff planned uh, for the future as well. Super Jcast as well continues to uh, uh, to be a great show on the network. So yeah, all those great stuff. So you can just subscribe to the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network for that. Uh, also, VoiceOfWrestling.com, all of our columns, previews, reviews, all that good stuff. Some good stuff, uh, historic uh, lookbacks that we've had as of late on the website. So VoiceWrestling.com is where you can do that. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash forums are a great message board if you want to discuss wrestling with uh, with us and uh, members of our community as well, the Voices of Wrestling universe, if you will. Uh, and also on Twitter, at Voices Wrestling, but you probably should just delete Twitter because Twitter sucks. So, um but you should follow. If you're going to keep Twitter, you might as well follow us at Voices Wrestling. So uh, I do want to thank our sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Of course, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW to post a job for free and test it out. So that's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. And for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech. We'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.